0: You look different. I look different. I think it's because your hair is longer on the sides now.
1: Oh, this, yeah. I it's was,
0: growing in a little bit.
1: I was going to try to get it uh, done today, but I didn't have time yet. Gotcha. Yep. Well, you got a face for radio today. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Appreciate you, buddy. <laughs> uh. Uh. Uh, I started last episode, so
2: why don't you start this one? Oh, man. All right. Hello, and welcome to...
1: Well, I think you're wrong. Wait, no, that's another show. No, that show's actually good. And uh, it had a good bit at the beginning about how that name is hard to say, and I actually was sweating thinking of having to say that. As a title.
0: It's a tough one. Yeah. And it's really hard to sit on that pause of after well, but it's necessary. Yeah. That's what the dot, dot, dot is for in the title, if you didn't know.
1: Which also made it hard to search for. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really,
0: really good at coming up with (laughs) podcast titles, which are like hard to find, enigmatic, mysterious, Mm -hmm. not easy to... To advertise in any way? What's uh, Nashville CA, by the way, there is a town called Nashville CA, so I think we really fucked up there. <laughs> or we need to go record an episode there.
1: Yeah, in Nashville CA. So how far is it from you?
2: You know, I've never looked it up. Keep filling.
1: Okay. Wait, I didn't do anything yet, Sean. What am I filling? The dead air that you're leaving on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> It's only on the floor if you cut it. Otherwise, it's in people's ears. Uh, Hello and welcome to Nashville CA, your occasionally bi-weekly podcast by two dudes who live in opposite parts of the country, opposite different parts of the country. Uh, And we cover two movies every episode. We have held to that standard, at least. Uh, And today I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Sean. Occasionally other people. Sean, how are you doing today?
0: Nashville, California is east of Sacramento. It's an unincorporated community. And it was first called Nashville Bar before being named for Nashville, Tennessee. So apparently it's just a bar in the middle of East California somewhere. But i uh, going to have to go check that one out sometime.
1: Oh, I absolutely love that. That is awesome. Yeah.
0: But, uh, no, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. You know, all things considered ups and downs usual, but, uh, I'm excited to talk about these two movies. This was a, uh, this was a fun double feature.
1: I enjoyed this one a lot. Uh, I did too. We had two, like, these were both up movies after, I mean, moon isn't really a downer, but it's kind of droll and dust boot is a slog, but it's a great movie. Um, so, it's
0: easy for our show to slip into a, <laughs> like states of seasonal depression <laughs> with the movies that we choose. So every once in a while, it's good to have a Con Air and a Twister or a other guys. And, except Seven Psychopaths is kind of a downer.
1: But in that um, McDonough way, where it's kind of fun to get there, and it makes me feel like even though uh, there's a lot of deaths and whatnot... Made me feel kind of fuzzy. I liked it.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of a warm blanket of cold evil and like darkness.
1: Yeah, Uh, in a way
0: that, like you said, McDonough does really well,
1: and a lot of philosophical
0: uh, things. And I was really excited for some falafel.
1: (laughs) A lot of falafel things. You,
0: I thought you were about to offer me some falafel, and I
1: was very. Very ready to eat that, and then you s- threw philosophy at me instead uh that's my trick actually. I offer people falafel and then throw uh you know some high minded ideas at them Should we
0: open a store in Nashville called fala falafelfel falafel and then we it's a mixture of falafel and philosophy mm-hmm. and then if you're a customer there, you're a falafel, falafels, falafel, 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 uh,
1: So you, you can come and get some um, well, another another very easily marketed idea right?
0: that I've come up
1: with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which is why it's never going to be allowed in Nashville. <laughs> oh, we have uh, a couple great vegetarian restaurants here. I'll have you know. Uh, I know you took me to that fake chicken place yeah i enjoyed that place only time i've been there yeah um but uh falafels furs uh sounds like a great uh great business i'm sure we can get a loan on that very quickly
0: cool but i'm not moving to nashville so you're gonna have to kind of do the legs
1: of the operation well you are clearly the brains (laughs) of this whole thing so i will be the boots on the ground
0: Okay, yeah. that's that's good. I'm good being the brains. Yeah. What movie are we starting with?
1: Uh, I started with Seven Psychopaths, so yeah. I would like uh, to start. Yeah
0: we, yeah, we could start there, since that's the one that I first suggested. Um, sure. So we're going to be talking about Seven Psychopaths, which is a movie directed by Martin McDonough. It came out in 2012, and I've I remember when I was working in San Francisco, I saw flyers for this movie out in the streets, and it was just Woody Harrelson has, saying, like, have you seen my fucking dog call me at this number or something? And it was, it was really strange. I didn't know what this, like, street campaign marketing was for this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm bummed I didn't see it in the theater. Um, this was one that I caught at some point hanging out at home. I think I must have watched it after having been blown away by In Bruges. <laughs> And, um, I just, I love this movie. It really holds up well for me. I think as far as movies about movies go, this is a really cool one. And it, um, adaptation would be kind of like a somewhat of a similar proxy as far as like the whole meta aspect of things I would say is in there. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's just so many fun performances, good comedy, a uh, fair amount of that casual homophobia that we have moved on from as society, but uh but just an overall good time. I like this one a lot.
1: Um We we talked previously about the fact when we were talking about this, first of all, that I confused the McDonoughs. Uh yeah. and I hadn't confused them, and then I did because I thought that I had, which is really messed up. Um and Uh, Martin is in a relationship with Phoebe Waller-Bridge, which is not Phoebe Bridgers. Totally different people also. Uh, and I saw Phoebe Waller-Bridge in the new Indiana Jones the other day, and she was a delight. So the whole family is, uh, or partnership, however they look at it, uh, is batting a thousand lately.
2: Should I see Indy in theater? You don't have to. Whoa. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I saw Fair it in
1: enough. in IMAX, uh which was silly. Uh why was it silly? It's so the previous one is Spielberg, there's like a lot of spectacle. There's a lot of kind of big grand set pieces and really uh ornate uh set design kind of stuff. And in this one it feels a lot more claustrophobic. There's only a few scenes that really open up, and when they do they're kind of cGI feeling and not very physical uh, or practical feeling and so I think it would work better on a smaller screen, honestly
0: Wow, yeah, you never got that feeling of like the helicopter shot outside of the town of Petra carved into the
1: mountains and well, um I was thinking the uh in temple when they're in the temple when they're in the titular temple uh with all the doom and whatnot when they're lowering the people into the the volcano um there's so much detail there and on the 4k you can see it it's beautiful uh you can see human skin stretched out in the background complete with pubes uh it's it's upsetting uh and in this one there was nothing like that not there's pubes in indiana jones totally like big hairy
2: ones (laughs) Wow! Yeah, I tried
0: to watch Temple of Doom, mm-hmm. and I got twenty minutes into it. This was about two years ago, and I I had to turn it off.
1: Is it the casual racism?
0: No, it's just annoying. Like oh. I, don't, I can I can turn my brain off to the casual racism. It was just sh- shrieking woman and I, I love story again jammed in there, and it's just. I found it to be annoying and not whimsical, and I just wasn't feeling it. I I think if you were to ask me right now, what Indiana Jones movie do you want to watch right now? Mm-hmm. eighty or ninety percent of the time, I'm saying Last Crusade. I
1: knew, yeah, it's it's going to be Last Crusade. That's the fun one. Like that's the most just front to back enjoyable. Um I have so much
0: nostalgia for the fireplace scene, t- the chairs tied mm-hmm. together, that motorcycle chase, launching the boat down the river, like the airplane, the birds on the beach. Like there's so much Marcus is hilarious or mm-hmm. whoever the guy is, the pen is mightier than the sword, the tank shit. Like there's just so much good stuff in Last Crusade. I'm sure like I'd love to go back and rewatch um Oh fuck! I always want to call it Ark of the Covenant. Is that what it? What's, I mean, What's the
2: first
1: one? It it is. What's the first one called? Uh, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark.
0: God damn it! Raiders of the I Lost never, Ark of the Covenant. Technically, I can never would remember be. that title for some reason. It's like a rug carpet brain block. I can't. I always just call it Indiana Jones and the Ark of the Covenant.
1: That flies with me. That's fine.
0: You know what I would have liked to have seen? I would have liked to have seen. Um, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. That was a point and click game from the 90s that LucasArts made for a computer mm-hmm. game. It was really good. I like that one a lot.
1: Um, I was just looking at that earlier today because uh, it's one of the few titles. like There's some LucasArts games that are available on Mac uh, through good old games. And uh, I kind of collect those like Day of the Tentacle. and uh, The Dig. The Dig? I forgot about The Dig. The Dig, I replayed
0: both The Dig and Fate of Atlantis within the past five years, and um, both of them were excellent. I definitely use guides to play those games, though, because I'm not about sitting here for an hour and a half banging my head against the wall until I learned that I needed to attach a red crystal to a stick <laughs> using construction tape or something. I don't know. Uh-huh. Those puzzles were so nonsense back in those days.
2: Oh, yeah, they've not gotten much better, frankly. Video game puzzles are annoying. Every once in a while, there's a
0: good one, like a physics based one or something in Half Life 2 where you had to like float a ramp. Oh, yeah, yeah. To then jump off the ramp or something like that. That's like clever and makes me use my brain that's not just moving pieces on a board. Um, uh, well, there, I, just, I don't have patience for puzzles.
1: See, I say that, and then uh, Portal is one of probably my, my most played games. The Portal and Portal 2. I love those games.
0: There's, but Portal, there's something more satisfying. And it really, like, to think, as the game says, like, to think with portals, mm-hmm. it broke my brain. The first time I played a game with that mechanic... And I was looking at a wall, looking down through the ceiling. <laughs> I felt like I was just going to like fall over in my chair.
1: <laughs> oh, I absolutely love it. It's uh, and if you get bored playing portal, you can always just shoot, like make yourself your own little puzzle where you speed up infinitely as you're falling through the portals. Things like that. It's just fun.
0: Co-op portal was really fun too. the two player mode.
2: Mm
1: hmm. I never
0: did that My one. My buddy and I had a great time doing it. Well, it's really fun because it's really easy to fuck your friend over and cause them to fall into lava or whatever <laughs> by
2: by canceling a portal at the last second.
1: Which is always just funny,
2: right? It, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, let's get, back, let's get into this movie. Uh, seven yes. Psychopaths.
0: So we got, I like this intro with these two hitmen on the dam. It's uh, that one guy from That's in the Things, and then there's Michael Pitt, that weird looking guy who's from Funny Games and Murder by Numbers. It's, it's he had
1: two Michaels. It's Michael's Stuhlberg and Michael Pitt.
0: Oh really? Uh huh. Michael Pitt in the mid two thousands had a great run of just playing fucking weirdos.
1: Isn't he in He's in Boardwalk Empire, isn't
0: he? Uh, I think so, but I never watched that show. I
1: I watched the like the first episode and it was one of those where I went yeah I like this um I'll watch the rest when they come out and uh, I don't think I ever revisit it.
0: I think I was just annoyed by the Scorsese circle jerk happening around that time and mm. still going on to this
2: day that it just turned me off of the whole thing and too serious too. I, really. Boardwalk
0: Empire. I don't know. I didn't. I never actually watched it, but well, <laughs> it. Seems dull, serious. Like Sopranos had a lot of really dumb stuff in it that was funny.
1: Hmm. I think. Uh, I mean, even like Taxi Drivers got kind of a lot of jokes in it, and a lot of his stuff does. I think. It, I think he uh, has a certain sense of levity. Nothing like the movies today we're talking about, such as Seven no, Psychopaths. Yeah.
0: No, no levity at all here. Uh, so anyway, those two hitmen get killed. Guy draws down the jack of diamonds. And as we later learn, this is our first psychopath and our seventh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, you know, the movie stars Colin Farrell as Marty, who's a alcoholic screenwriter. And one thing that I really enjoyed in this movie was... Um, the amount of piss taking they do at Marty's alcoholism. Yes, <laughs> at one point down the line, Woody Harrelson goes um, something like, "Give a- give me the dog, or the alcoholic gets it." <laughs> that just made me laugh.
1: The um, what is the the whole little exchange about? um your Irish; it's your birthright.
0: Yes, yeah. Yes, that whole thing. That's I thought that was fun. pretty good too. I don't have a drinking problem. I just like drinking.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. <and, and laughs> when Sam Rockwell, you know, he he's
0: he's always harping on Colin Farrell in this for his drinking. When he he makes up that he told him he's a hitman. Mm-hmm. And and Marty believes that he was blackout drunk enough to have forgotten that. And then Sam Rockwell's like, no, I'm just kidding. But the fact that you think you could forget that (laughs) means you probably have a
2: drinking problem.
0: (laughs) And so, and, you know, Sam Rockwell has his dog napping business, which kind of starts this whole thing off. And um, Woody Harrelson's the mob boss. And finally... Christopher Walken, my goodness, in this movie, he's, I think he's incredible. Yes. I'm not like a huge Walken guy. I can't think of like a ton of stuff that I've like really loved him and attached myself to. Because his performances are always kind of eccentric to the point of I can like really see the performance happening in front of my eyes but this one I don't know he's just dialed in and uh, this character is so interesting and like stoic and kind of heartbroken with what's happening with his wife but still trying to hold on to like some kindness and faith in the world and it's it's really interesting to see his character like be conflict be confronted by so much as like a side story of this movie but he goes through more than almost anyone else in this whole thing.
1: Oh, he absolutely does his, um, I mean, what we find out is his backstory through his wife and her illness and then her eventual death. And then through his own acceptance of his death at the end, like that's, that's a full arc. And then some for him, that's more than a lot of people get in, in any movie. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and also that even before that as we find out he was possibly
0: a Quaker but he was a man whose daughter was killed (laughs) and he followed the killer through prison and slit his own throat that whole vignette that short story Mm -hmm. I love it I love it so much and I think one thing that I really love about this movie is those little short films that are contained inside of it.
1: Yeah. They, uh, they're they're kind of sprinkled through the first, what, like half or two thirds or so. Uh, as
0: Marty kind of introduces each psychopath idea that he has.
1: Yeah. I guess it's a little before that because the last third is it's Marty's movie, as he says, uh, once they get out into the desert. Uh, but, yeah, the the Quaker story is awesome. Um, and... The, the score during the Quaker story, too, is really good. Uh, I like the way it was shot. Like, it's... Everything else is very sunbaked, baked uh, and, I guess, California feeling. And, you know, they talk about... Uh, when they're drinking, that it's hot. Uh, uh, and this one, like, it's so rainy. And they got that shot in the, um, in the prison cell when the guy's going to get out of prison. And it's like, he actually reformed his life and he's a good guy and all that. And you see the light coming through and it's just beautiful. It's one of those shots that, like, calls attention to itself. But I think it's totally fine to do that uh, because it looks cool as hell. And it helps tell the story.
0: Yeah, it's like that character's potential moment of salvation and reconciliation Mm -hmm. before then we get outside of that shot when the Quaker is still there and still following him after all this time. And then, you know, up in that apartment, raining, looking out the dark window as night sets in. Um, Yeah, this is a very, very daylight California movie and maybe I I, maybe I like that even more because of that like I there's something uplifting about daylight movies especially when the stakes are high I think so many directors want to set things at night to like really sell the intensity or the tension or the drama but man there's something just kind of comforting and different about things happening in the day
1: well and if you compare these two movies Uh, especially towards the end of the next one. Everything is like nighttime, neon lights, um, glossy, wet streets. Uh, You know, it's that very... It's like more polished Michael Mann look. Like thief kind of a look. Uh, Very classic crime story. And this one is going leaning hard in the opposite direction. Like... I'm going to talk about all the tropes that are happening and upend all of them as I'm talking about them.
2: Yeah,
0: like the first thing that comes to mind when you say that is Billy talking about the final gunfight and that there has to be a final fight. There has to be. And so, of course, in his mind, it's in a dark cemetery at night, <laughs> and it's like the most Hollywoodized... Version of this shootout that we get to see, and it, it's so over the top and preposterous. And I think you told me that the uh, the head explosion, Woody Woody Harrelson gets shot through the neck with a crossbow. Oh my god! <laughs> and, and who? I think it's Billy has the shotgun. Someone has the shotgun and blows his head up, and it's like a Scanners esque explosion.
1: <laughs> and it's just it's it's excellent. It's, um, uh, I loved it, uh, because it was shocking and a good gag at the same time, like a good, um, a good get for whoever did the practical effects in this thing. It was like, Bravo, way to, way to go. I don't know if it's a whole head squib or what, but, uh, it, you know, it's a good explosion.
0: Uh, so, yeah, there's more to talk about there, but I don't want to quite get to that that spot at um, Joshua Tree yet. Yeah. So, if we go back a bit, you know, I like that Billy puts that Calling All Psychos ad mm-hmm. in the paper. <laughs> and, um, boy, another home run performance coming out here is Tom Waits in this movie. Oh, Good, good heavens, a Zachariah? Uh,
1: and he makes that whole sequence work because I do feel like the serial killer killer story is it's a little trite. Uh, but when it's bookended with Tom Waits being the one that's telling it and he does like, I know it's his shtick, but his whole world weary persona, it just works as like this guy who's been through too much and seen too much uh, and has lost everything. I loved it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Have you ever seen Suspect Zero?
1: Oh god, I forgot about that movie.
0: With Ben Kingsley, Aaron Eckhart, and who's their face from uh, Matrix?
1: Yes. um, uh, Moss. Carrie Uh, Carrie Ann
0: Moss. Anyway, yeah. That movie is like Ben Kingsley is a serial killer who hunts serial killers. Mm-hmm. And boy, when I was like 20 years old, I thought that was like such a profound idea. And I thought that was like, oh, this movie is amazing. And I think if I rewatched that movie now, I'd be like, Oh God, this is
1: shit. <laughs>
2: this is so bad.
1: Okay. In what would have been my, uh, Sophomore year, I wrote a story that was heavily influenced by uh, Seven and the Crow. It was, so it might have been later. Uh, but it Ooh, was. Oh, that
0: sounds angsty. <laughs> oh my God.
1: <laughs> and it totally was. It was like you have a Batman that kills people, uh, but only the real bad ones. And. Uh, There's a lot of like mother issues in it because that was part of the crow, uh, and just it was so, it was so stupid, but it and it had some CSI elements, which you know wasn't a thing yet. But from uh, the police procedurals that I was into at the time, like, oh, his calling card is left on a certain brand of paper, which is only produced at a mill over here, and blah blah blah. Uh, yeah, so that's that's just that's saw is it saw you were you were right i did saw. a saw i did a saw <laughs> <You> didn't... <laughs> i didn't mean to do a saw but i did a saw <laughs> uh-huh.
0: so that story is zachariah and his uh girlfriend wife maggie at the time breaking into a judge's house and finding a bunch of dead girls and so that's when they decide to kill serial killers i was excited to see brendan sexton mm-hmm. pop up uh, from session nine fame in, in that role as young Zach. And, um, and it was fun. The, who else did they kill? I, 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 know like there was one other serial killer. I think they killed and then they went to the Zodiac's house.
1: Um, well, the one killed is, him. um, uh, it's the, the Tom that dreaded sundown, the Texarkana killer, uh, is one of them. Oh, gotcha.
2: Yeah. You know, I saw that movie. I think I saw the
0: remake of the movie. I didn't, I didn't understand the, like the four different layers of meta shit going on and that some of it was actually based on something that really happened. Maybe.
1: Yes. There actually was a Texarkana, uh, serial killer or, like spree murderer or whatever you would consider it technically. Uh, and then, but in the remake, the movie is like both heralded and looked down on in the town. Uh, yeah, I, but I like that. I like, I have watched the remake and the, the OG, um, uh, back to back a while, a couple years ago, I guess. Uh, and really enjoyed the second one after coming off the first one.
2: Nice. Uh, I, should
0: go, I should check them out again sometime. It'd be a fun double feature, maybe. Do them both.
1: Um, the uh, dude, Colin Farrell and Sam Rockwell are such skinny dudes. I kept I was struck by that time and again watching this movie. Like they're walking around and they're uh, against the a sunlit backdrop and you just see their frames and you're like Oh my God! Where's the rest of them? They're they're really? I, tiny I did men. Not, I did not notice that at all. <laughs> Maybe it speaks more to my uh, my own body dysmorphia. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I don't know. There wasn't like
0: a lot of dudes' bodies happening in this movie. I wasn't really paying attention or keying in on that.
3: Mm. That's fair. That's fair.
2: Uh the re- what do you think of the reveal? That Billy
0: is a psychopath as he, I mean, it's kind of clear when he's a, a dog thief, but then when he's in that room, hooking up with uh, Olga Kurilenko, who is Woody Harrelson's girlfriend. Oh, yes. Uh- and he's doing it seemingly because she's his girlfriend. Like, it, the, he's just attracted to, like, living this insane life. <laughs> and, like, doing everything he can to be living on the edge and killing people and leaving calling cards and doing so many, like, dumb things because he clearly, like, wants his life to end in, like, a cinematic shootout kind of way mm-hmm. with the boss man. But the way he shoots Olga Karlyenko in the stomach and then just leaves her <laughs> before being like, oh, don't say I never do anything nice for you. I called an ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of just, like, that reveal that... Oh, it's, it's maybe not quite as, like, fun psycho as we had previously thought. Maybe he's just completely, like, chaotic evil psycho. Uh,
1: I mean, it's not that big of a turn because he's been a... For lack of a better term, a crazy person the entire time, right? Like, his... uh, The way that he pushes and prods uh Marty is... It's, that's not what a friend does. It's not what I like a normal person would do the way that he does these things. And the dog napping uh, is just the icing on the cake. I think it's like you, you could see this guy in day to day situations and it's one of those you would steer clear from, you know, only, but it never happens in real life because whenever there's a serial killer in real life, everyone's like, Oh, he was so nice. You never would have seen it coming. This guy, you'd be like, Nah. Uh, yeah, I kind of saw it coming.
0: Calling Marty's girlfriend a bitch <laughs> to her face at the party and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Marty and Billy deserve each other, though, because Marty's clearly, like, coming to grips with his own like completely selfish piece of shit nature that mm-hmm. he lives with, and so self-absorbed and so I think it's fitting that this is his only friend, is a man who lacks like any sense of remorse or sympathy, but does care about Marty. Billy's, Billy's kind of unconditionally there for Marty, but also in a way that's not great of enabling him and like... Enabling his drinking. Concerned about his drinking, but always enabling. And causing problems in Marty's life, which cause him to then drink more and stuff. Don't say and stuff. Just say <laughs> cause him to drink more.
1: Uh, what do you think about that connective tissue between the two movies of... You've got these two alcoholic guys who really cannot function on their own and need people around them who, you know, speak to both their better angels and... uh you know encourage their their uh own destructive self-destructive natures
0: it's great i feel like i'm just missing my partner who (laughs) enables me to live out these parts of myself i feel like i'm missing one half of the equation honestly oh
1: (laughs) hurts my heart you need uh you need a guy who comes over and like will kick down your door once in a while
0: I need a Billy in my life. Someone yeah. who's just gonna like get me into some spontaneous weird shit. I'm the kind of more aloof bumbling man who's just kind of trying to keep us both out of mortal danger. <laughs> That's what I need.
2: Um the
1: Oh, what did you think about the arc uh of the which the th- Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant, uh, the fourth psychopath, the third, the Viet Cong fighter.
2: Uh, oh, that was a interesting one because that one, that one changes
0: so many times mm-hmm. that they've never quite figured out what to do um, with his character, and I like that it starts. As like a pretty simple idea of just like a bloodlust vengeance story of this guy going back to United States and tracking down the members of Charlie Company who
2: burned his village. But I I I thought there was something like profound
0: in the presentation at the end with Walken telling the story and adding, you know, like the prostitute learning suddenly she's fluent in Vietnamese. And so we finally get to, like, have a conversation with this man who we've been seeing speak Vietnamese the whole movie without subtitles. <laughs> and then at the very end, he's, like, given empathy and stuff and s- someone to listen to him in a way to express himself. And I don't know, I, I thought that was really beautiful, the immolation story and the the dream thing. Even though I hate a dream thing. And I think Walken says that too. Like, I know you hate a dream in a movie, but maybe this would work.
1: But what we're watching is a dream, a story about a dream in a movie, in a screenplay in that movie. So. Correct. So it, it has, both of these movies, once again, have multiple layers of things, which you should never do in movies and I think they're both stronger for it <laughs> it's awesome,
0: yeah, well, and then like the the biggest wall breaker is Zach telling um Marty, promise me at the end of my your movie in exchange for my story, you'll put up my contact information so Maggie can find me yeah, and um, so did you were you surprised as the the credits were rolling that 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 came back around? Had you
1: remembered that? I did not remember it. I was uh, surprised and pleased. I was so happy that it did. Uh, and then the way that it plays out, because it would have been so easy for it to play out like he shows up and kills him. You know, like they have that little that little uh, exchange in person, and then he kills him and walks off, or whatever. Uh, but the way that they actually kind of... It's, like, too sad for him to kill him. I love that.
0: Uh, speaking of just, like, sad scenes, uh, Gabriel Sidibe as the oh God. Uh, dog walker, mm-hmm. that was just rough, especially to think that Woody Harrelson was just going to scare her and then let her be. That was dark. And then Woody Harrelson going to the hospital. In his conversation with um, the woman who has cancer uh, Hans's wife that that scene in particular in her performance was so good and Woody was so good as these two find these two characters confront each other and figure out who they are and accept fates that maybe neither of them even really wants, but mm-hmm. they both. They both know what has to be done in this moment, and to follow that up with Christopher Walken walking, walking, walking past the room <laughs> um, with the flowers, or sitting down in the lobby, in that conversation between Walken and Harrelson. Harrelson, yeah. Ooh, that was intense. And when he removes the cravat, the crevasse? Cravat? Yeah.
1: Cravat. cravat,
2: I think. Cravat.
0: Yeah. When he removes that and like forces it on Woody Harrelson and Woody Harrelson is a man who we've seen be completely off the wall, lunatic, insane. But in that moment, he's scared of mm-hmm. the man offering the cravat.
1: Uh, the It's funny because there's so many... The McDonough stuff feels very Coenzy, right? Like for lack of a better comparison uh, and only because they've been doing it for longer. Um, But that sequence feels like something out of no country for old men, you know, like because everything else is kind of light. And when you're with uh, uh, Billy and Marty, it's there's that kind of goofy banter going on. And this, like all the shit is cut. It is just so tense and upsetting. Uh, but still has that like just really well done and the tense part of the scene is two dudes sitting talking like the first part you're like okay this is pretty intense and then it gets amped up and i think that that's it's just a testament to how uh his writing and then his direction of those actors i don't know i would love to see his process with getting people to that place
0: yeah and i his movie like this one is a very plotty movie there's a lot of stories happening multiple stories and stories within stories and everything and so to sit in this hospital between the hospital room and the lobby for probably i don't know 5 or 6 minutes of this movie mm-hmm. to slow everything down and to make it a three character piece which is completely reliant on writing and acting and it and it kind of takes the camera out of the director's hands for a bit. I think it, it adds to the punch of the impact of these scenes because they're so different from anything
1: else. And except for the different looks in the different time periods that you jump to in the stories, um, he doesn't do a lot of flashy movie stuff. You know, he's not like a, um, a Tony Scott type thing. Uh, where there's but it totally could be. It feels like this could be deja vu or um uh domino, right? Like oh, could
0: yeah, could you imagine Tony Scott Peyote yes in Joshua Tree? Yes. What that would have looked like and sounded
1: like Is isn't there a sequence like that in Domino? Have you seen Domino? Also Tom, oh, yeah. Tom I, Waits I in Domino?
0: Domino. Yeah. Kira Knightley Boobs. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that movie Uh, Yeah, it it was up there. Man on Fire. Those movies have such stupid (laughs) presentation. Like, it's funny, but it's so over the top and ridiculous. And it's like, it reminds me of when I first learned video editing and Mm -hmm. we made a music video. And it's like, oh, look at all these special effects I can use. it's like, why? It's like, because they're there. I can put this Gaussian blur on... And slow the frame rate down to half speed. And then make it all inverted colors.
1: Isn't that cool looking? And the thing is, it is. <laughs> it, like, the, the 90s kid in me. Um, and or I guess it would have been maybe 2000s. Um, the Foo Fighter song, Best of You. The video for that. Like, lives in my head. And I'm like, that's the height of a certain type of cool is that like super fast cutting random images that just kind of overwhelm you uh, at a certain point? And it's- do you
0: remember the Foo Fire song "I Don't Owe You Anything"?
2: I don't owe you anything.
0: I I don't know though. I'll stick around, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But anyways, that song. I from what I remember, remember the COVID molecule that they used to show us—that like red. Orb <laughs> thing, yeah. Yes. I swear to God, in that Foo Fighters video, there's like a COVID molecule like floating around in the sky, and, and Dave Navarro's yelling at it. Or I'm sorry, who? <laughs> Dave Grohl. <laughs> Who's Dave Navarro? He was in a band.
1: Uh, Dave Navarro, he's a guitar player, and I can picture him right now. He looks like a street magician. Um, he does look like Chris Angel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah.
0: who I'm picturing. Oh. <laughs> uh, um, um so, so uh, getting back to the movie when Billy when Marty is at the uh at the bar or at the restaurant drinking and Marty's telling the Quaker story to Hans mm-hmm. and now we know that Hans is the Qua- my heart kind of sunk in that moment of Billy used Hans's Tragedy and tried to like pitch it to Marty as an entertainment story, and now Marty is spitting out that like Hollywoodized entertainment story of tragedy back at the man who went through it Mm -hmm. with zero knowledge and like zero respect for that having happened.
1: Uh, and we didn't mention the fact that in the story that. Uh, Billy tells Marty when we're when we're seeing it, the imagined version of it. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton. Is the like the stalker uh, yeah. version. Uh, and dude, talk about casting people between him, Christopher Walken and Tom Waits. You cast these people that just bring weight with them. Harry Dean Stanton, Harry not,
0: Dean Stanton uh, doesn't say a word. No, and his character to. is incredible. <laughs>
1: He just looks it's, at you with like, those sunken eyes.
0: It's a stunning performance for a silent man. But I know exactly what you're talking about. The casting in this movie is so on point. Because when you see that Quaker standing outside with his arms crossed in the rain, just standing there waiting and waiting, it's fucking ominous.
1: Mm-hmm. He's just... Uh, he's- not just got a good face for it, uh, but it's, you know, the weight of everything that you've seen him in before uh, just kind of comes with a I loved it. Um,
0: so, let, Time to go to uh, Joshua Tree, I think. Right.
1: Well, when they're driving there, uh, I think it's they have the conversation about Gandhi.
2: Uh, <laughs> Billy. <laughs> Sam Rockwell's
0: so funny in this movie, and when he's just screaming like "an eye for an eye" would leave one one-eyed man who could <laughs> then like rule the earth.
1: What the fuck? Gandhi is wrong, but nobody has the balls to say it.
0: <laughs> and later, when when Marty's like, maybe the movie just ends with three men talking in the desert, no shootout, just talking and billy's like no shootouts <laughs> no shootouts but <laughs> <laughs> it's not a movie i don't even
1: want to help writer with you his wife just died i don't mind helping as long as it isn't gonna to be too violent of course it's gonna to be too violent the whole point i told you 20 times billy i don't want it to be violent i want it to be life affirming life affirming life affirming it's about
0: seven fucking psychopaths hey
1: no, you know what I think the movie should be? The first half should be like a
3: perfect
1: setup for an out and out revenge flick. Yeah. Violence, guns, all the usual bullshit, and then I don't know, man, it's the lead characters should just walk away. They should just drive off into the desert and pitch a tent somewhere and just
0: talk for the rest of the Friggin' movie.
1: No shootouts, no payoffs. Just human beings talking. Were we making French movies now? That sounds like the stupidest ending. No shootouts? That sounds like the stupidest ending to a
0: movie I've ever fucking no shootouts. Mm-hmm.
1: Ah No? No That's uh, I'm I'm totally Billy in that scenario. I'm like, come on! You can have all the philosophy, but let's have a shootout too.
0: Do you think this movie uh, has its cake and eats it too? Entirely, yes. It's it, it it's a it's like genius because yeah. you can have the pretentious bullshit of Marty wanting to just have like a philosophical desert movie. But then we can also wrap that up in Sam Rockwell's like action movie junky like just crap movie addiction yes. that we all have. We all want that. It's, we all want our junk food. And yes. so I I like that we're this movie kind of makes us eat our dinner before we get our dessert. Uh
1: but then you know it's I guess it's become more common. With stuff like uh, Barry and Better Call Saul, even parts of Breaking Bad, where uh, the, the violence then hits so much harder when it, when it comes, when it shows up. Because you've spent all this time, uh, and not just the time that you've invested, but like the specific conversations that the people have had. And you get to know them pretty deeply because they have these... like heavy talks and you get to see Hans uh, when he is rewriting the, the Viet Cong story for them when he's giving his notes on it. Right. Uh, Like you understand what kind of person it is that would come up with that version of the story about a man coming to terms with the violence done to him and his own death. Like, (laughs) Like when he finally, and it's become a meme that scene with Christopher walking on the road, um, confronted by the guy whose name I can never pronounce, has um, become a meme. The uh, no, because I don't want to.
3: Put your hands up.
1: No. What? I said no. Why not? I don't want to. I've got a gun. I don't care. Uh, Doesn't make any sense. Too bad. Like that whole thing. uh, Which, and rightfully so, because it's excellent. Christopher Walken is fucking on point in that scene. I love it. Well, yeah, so
0: he, you know, he, he's a man who's believed in heaven his whole life. And then he does peyote after his wife is dead. And he believes that she sees her in the desert and that there is no afterlife. And that something about life is just gray and meaningless. And yeah, that walk through the desert he has. He's he's a man who's given, is like completely surrendered to everything and just let go. And his death is really sad. (laughs) i really Mm -hmm. fucking sad and hit me really hard and when you said about violence in Better Call Saul, there's a moment in the final season of Better Call Saul one single moment of violence which was like it's not a huge moment or anything like compared to violence I've seen in other media and like it's not the goriest but it was one of the most shocking like stuck with me horrifying things that i've seen in a long time and it's because of that spread out nature and letting those moments have time to breathe and build
1: yeah um and i think especially here you get to see you get to see the real fantasy like 80s action movie version when billy is spinning his you know his uh, cemetery shootout yeah uh, which he then kind of gets because he's standing on top of that rock with the big cross on it. And it yeah. does like he's like, oh, this would be the best place for a shootout. And then you see it and you're like, that is badass. I <laughs> <laughs> <To> see <laughs> yeah. a silhouette up there.
0: Um, yeah, he, he finally gets. And so. He gets the shootout that he wants, but it's not because <laughs> Woody Harrelson does show up unarmed. <laughs> and Billy shoots him in the back. <laughs> it's just so funny and so anticlimactic at the moment. And um oh and I love when 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 Billy's telling that story he says uh something oh the rabbit the rabbit survives and he says because you can't let the animals die just the women. <laughs> um But shooting him in the back, you know he's unarmed except for a flare gun, and then you know because he is our first and seventh psychopath, he he wants the shootout still, and so he launches the flare.
1: Yeah, he he realizes why Woody Harrelson has brought a flare gun to a gunfight, uh, and it's not for the gunfight; it's to call in the cavalry.
2: Yeah,
0: and so this is where we finally get. The final shootout, and right before they they had killed Hans, that last line that Hans has. I mean, we we'll get to the the radio. I mean, the radio, the tape recording later. Mm-hmm. But that that moment at the very end when he says it isn't gray at all, that uh, that really hit me as just like a striking moment in a movie.
1: Well, because you have that like the turn. What's well, the previous night, right? Because it's they trip and then Billy burns the car, so they yeah. can't. So they can't <laughs> That's go right, home.
0: Billy, Billy goes
1: full Cortez and yeah. burns the car. <laughs> yes, uh, and that so that night is when he has his like he sees his wife in a uh, a swirl of gray, and it's like it that thought hurts in and of itself that it's like his belief structure has been fundamentally changed. Uh and then was it Billy says that he was just messing with him?
0: Yeah. Billy tries to I think in order to assuage his fear, Billy tries to tell him that no, it was that was just me pretending to be your wife up on the on the cliff edge or whatever. I and mean, that wasn't real. That was just the peyote trying to knock him out of that thought process
2: oh god uh
0: Uh, so at as they show up here what do you think of like rockwell i like rockwell's fighting style of one gun in the mouth and then a gun (laughs) in each hand yes that's fun and um yeah this is where the line is uh throw your guns down or the alcoholic gets it (laughs) and um I, I know that the casual, there's a lot of casual homophobia in this movie, but it I will say I did laugh when Billy says that uh, the dog has a gay head. And Woody Harrelson's yeah. like, he doesn't have a gay, gay head. head. And then the, the countdown part where there, Billy starts counting down, and Woody's like, wait, 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 will, will you go back to five, we yeah. go back to five. And there's a lot of humor and a lot of just that, that McDonough, quick wit like you get at the end of in bruges with ray fines and stuff there there's a lot of funny stuff in this
1: it's and i think he also has this cake and eats it too especially with the um the violence the homophobia um because he's putting it in the mouths of terrible people right like he can get away with saying he's never condoning it and the movie isn't endorsing that kind of behavior because it's shitheads that are saying it but
0: and hans does mention at one point that uh gay people don't like to be called that anymore
1: (laughs) yes (laughs) which for when was this movie
0: 2012 2012 like we're we're getting a little late in that like Casual homophobia is still okay, era. Yes, I <laughs> thought that had its time, but I feel like by 2012, that was not flying like it used to—the f words and slurs and stuff.
1: Yeah, and uh, I mean, Coney was big that year. I still
0: don't really understand what any <laughs> of that was, and I don't really care
1: to. Yeah. Uh, I don't either. I just know that there was a there was a movie about it that came out, I think,
2: too late. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um. So we're basically at the end here, end of the firefight, and um, almost everyone dies except for except for Marty,
1: which is. Um it's fitting and sad because this dude is all he had were these psychopaths <laughs> in his life.
0: <laughs> That's true. Yeah, his wife left him after he
2: called her a bitch at a party. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, but if Marty doesn't
0: survive this movie then who will write this movie
2: right
1: i mean that's the whole i you get you forget the fact that he is writing a movie also called seven psychopaths within the movie seven psychopaths because it diverges and this part is like uh billy's movie becomes theoretical
0: but i'm genuinely curious how true to form this movie was where was McDonough writing a movie about seven psychopaths Mm. and at some point got writer's block and then started to write about writer's block? Or did he have this plan the whole time? I'd be really curious to learn about that.
1: So it is really close. The more we talk about it, the closer it is to adaptation.
0: I would love to rewatch adaptation because I've only seen it once and I remember that movie... I'm breaking my brain.
1: So an adaptation is it's a uh, Charlie Kaufman. Did he direct as well or was it Spike Jones directing? Do you recall?
2: I don't. I just remember Kaufman. Yeah, I mean. uh, It's a 2002
1: American film directed by Spike Jones. Yeah. Uh, screenplay by Charlie Kaufman, which is weird because um
2: Spike Jones was the the skateboard guy. Uh, when you tell me Spike
0: Jones, my first thought is always Three Kings.
2: Okay, yeah.
0: I watched Three Kings a lot when I was a kid.
2: Um, once again,
1: that was kind of badass at the time, wasn't it?
0: I think that movie would hold up really well. You think so? Thinking back on it, I yeah. think it would. I think Wahlberg was really good in that
1: movie. Um I just remember absolutely loving the um the bullet piercing the body. Yeah. And it, then it zooms in and you see the lung collapse and everything. And the bile. Yes.
0: Yeah. My friend Will, I think I've told you this before, but at one point there's a woman executed in that movie, and my friend Will told me that that was real. <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't think George Clooney would be part of a movie that
2: executed a person. <laughs> but what if I know?
1: That's, I do love, speaking of uh, bring Clooney into it. Clooney is one of them. Um, Colin Farrell is one of them. There's these dudes who could have been like regular matinee idols and had Tom Cruise kind of arcs where they just stay superstars forever. Uh, But both of these guys have just become, in the parlance of our times, weird little dudes.
0: Right? Like, yeah. I mean, Farrell was on the path with. Playing the daredevil villain, mm-hmm. Bullseye. He was the best part of that movie by far. And then um, that movie with Pacino, The Recruit, about CIA agents. Yes, yes, I saw that in the theater. I did too. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it was have. I think it was have that era where everyone still believed that like if Pacino or De Niro was in a movie, it was going to be good. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Hide and Seek. With De Niro in theater. And I was like, okay, we don't have to do that anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we can just write that off, kind of. We're good. Oh my god. Do you remember Hide and Seek? Um, explain it to me a little bit.
0: I'm going to spoil the shit out of the movie. Go for it. Uh, It was the peak of Dakota Fanning. Okay. After... Some movie that she did. What movie did she do that she was famous for?
1: Was it uh I Am Sam? Wasn't she the little girl in uh, I Am Sam?
0: Maybe. I don't know. But anyways. She's doing her little weird adult thing. And she's like a disturbed kid. And she and her single dad, Robert De Niro, who might be a t- psychologist, move into a house. And her mom there had died recently or something. And... Oh, the girl starts playing with a ghost, and she's like, has this imaginary friend that's a ghost that she plays with, and then it starts doing bad things or something. Anyway, fucking 70 minutes later, plot twist. It was Robert De Niro the whole time. His <gasps> personality had broken after he killed his wife or something, and so he created this, like, character. Oh, this like childish character that would hang out with his daughter, and then play with her, and then try to solve the mystery of who this mystery person was in his house, and it was him the whole time. It was bad,
1: <laughs> bad. Uh, that sounds really dumb. First of all, uh, that was the year after Man on Fire.
2: Yeah, Man yeah. Man on Fire. Uh, Two thousand one no was Iron Sam. What's his name in Man on Fire? Because I swear, she...
0: It it sounds like Greasy Bear.
1: It's it's Creasy. (laughs) It is Creasy. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But I just
1: pictured, like, a bear covered in mayonnaise. (laughs) Just a good Greasy Bear. I got it. Oh,
0: God. Um... So yeah, I, I I like I like how this movie ends. I like the somber, kind of melancholy note that it ends with, and I think a lot of that has to do with just Watkins' voiceover on the tape, and Farrell's just so good at playing a sad, broken man. Uh, and then, but I, it ends on that little fun bit at the end of Zach calling in, like the final fourth wall break of the movie. Because we, the audience, did not see that thing. Um, oh, I forgot to mention when Sam Rockwell's talking about his neighbor yes. and watching their the the flag in their yard for eleven hours a day and reading his diary, and it's like, "Do not burn that flag. Do not, Do not- go over there and burn <laughs> the flag." <laughs> and of course, it cuts, and there's just like a cindered flag on the flagpole. <laughs> Uh anything else you got for this one?
1: Um I don't remember if this was a line or this was my thought about what was happening. Uh but I think it's a Sam Rockwell line when he's explaining his uh his shootout in the cemetery and he just goes guns 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 blam blam blam. <laughs> yeah.
0: That sounds like it. I
1: was like that's it's either the the thing is his uh, whole process in this movie, I feel very close to, like, wanting to write that movie. Like, you you want the hyper-violence, the really fun, fast-paced, um, just kind of don't give a shit uh, about anything else, really fun, balls-to-the-wall action movie. Uh, and, yeah, I identify with that.
0: It's like, do you want to make Crank? Or do you want to make a smart man's heat? Ooh, you got it. You got to kind of commit one way or the other. Mm-hmm. If you try to find a middle ground, it's probably not going to go well. Unless you're Martin McDonough, McDonough, yeah. In which case, you can pull it off. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you just on like a filmmaking note and movies about making movies. Um, where would you put this one? Like. Or do you have some other favorites like Adaptation or maybe the player? Uh whatever that Jack Black movie was about rewinding. Be kind rewind. Be kind rewind. Like, what are what are some of your other movie within movies about movies movies that you like?
1: <laughs> Can you say movies three or four <laughs> more times? Uh I mean, those are all great ones. Um I mean it's the kind of the duo of um, singing in the rain and uh, Babylon from last year. Uh, they. Babylon! Babylon! Uh, I, I forgot. I, <laughs> I forgot. I didn't mean to uh, to trigger your rusted root. No, that's David Gray. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Couldn't you hear <laughs> I was
0: trying. Babylon i trying to do the David Gray. And the David Gray voice is kinda tight jaw and you talk from the back and oh, what's the what's the Babylon. verse? What's the worse? What's the verse from Babylon though? This is gonna drive me crazy. If you want it, come and get it. We're crying out loud. We're going <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's fun. (laughs) That's a good time. That's like, (laughs) that's almost my Eddie Vedder. My Eddie Vedder
1: more. It's it's a little little higher.
0: Eddie Vedder, you have a a tongue curl up towards the roof of your mouth. Yeah, absolutely. comes out with an R sound. Uh, this is a four and a half out of five for me. I love this movie. <laughs> it held up really well. It's fun. It makes me laugh. It makes me appreciate movie making and movie writing. Mm-hmm. Some wonderful performances. And it's a movie that's held up to multiple rewatches for me. I love it. Four and a half.
1: How about you? Uh, Barton Fink. Barton Fink was the other one I was going to name check at some point in here because the Coen brothers of it all.
0: Barton Fink makes me smile because it's one of my favorite jokes in The Simpsons. The kids get up. They all get fake IDs or something like, we're going to go see an R-rated movie. And as they drive off, they go,
3: Barton, Barton Fink, Fink.
0: Barton Fink. Fink. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I That's love that. That's so good. That's, um. <laughs> what's the, the naked gun uh, when they come out of the movie and they're laughing and it's platoon platoon <laughs> <laughs> the, you know what that joke always works on me
0: <laughs> oh if only there was a way to talk about the naked gun that wouldn't just be like leslie nielsen's amazing and wasn't it funny when he did this or when he did this that's i don't know how else to talk about that movie i would love to do a show about it, because it's my favorite comedy of all time. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know how to talk about it.
1: Yeah, any of that. Uh, I'd like to do Airplane at some point, but what do you do? Like, it's just, that's a good gag. That's a good I can, bit.
0: I contend Naked Gun is the far superior movie.
1: I'd have to watch them back to back.
0: I think this is an age thing. I think younger people tend to go Naked Gun and older tend to go Airplane.
1: I could totally see it although my personal favorite not uh from the same crew but uh you'd be looking at clue clue's
2: very good yeah clue's very good i'm uh, very distracted by the maid oh yes um
1: what's her name i don't remember her i don't recall her name right now and i feel bad about that because we're not we shouldn't just be objectifying that hot hot lady uh, we should be talking about her, her acting talents. That's, that's, ev-
0: w- that's what distracts me, is yeah. <laughs> her, her character <laughs> performance. Um, Not the boobs hanging out. Or the French maid outfit. Um, oh, and you shouldn't, when I, when, when I mentioned Domino earlier, you shouldn't immediately just bring up Keira Knightley's
1: boobs. That was uncalled for. I, I'm sorry about that. That really was... Uh, Thank you.
0: Thank you for apologizing. Yeah.
1: yeah, you're welcome. I'll make amends later. Um, <laughs> the Seven Psychopaths, I give it three and a half stars and a heart. Although, I might want to up that half a star. Because I, I kind of want to watch okay. it again. I kind of, like, right now want to watch it again. That's how much fun I had with it.
0: I get it. That's why I wanted to talk about this movie for so long. Because something... There's something very compelling and magnetic about this movie that I find very easy to watch. And I don't know if it's just the daytime stuff. I don't know if it's the inner cutting of all the vignetting. Or if it's the genuine like moments of levity and comedy to break up the somber tension. Well, it's probably all of those things that I just mentioned. <laughs> that's that's, you that's just, probably like a, a really rundown. That's like a really great succinct cogent review i just dropped <laughs> all right That's let's take a the break most insightful
1: the show's ever been i love it
2: <laughs> all right see you on the flip side all right babylon
0: Welcome back, Jack. We're now going to be discussing The Nice Guys from 2016, directed and written by Shane Black, starring one Lucky Jack Aubrey and one Ryan Gosling. And, uh, Josh, you chose this one. This is our second Russell Crowe, I believe. Uh, second Gosling, too, I think, with Blade Runner.
1: Um... I almost thought it was our third Russell Crowe, and then I realized that was uh, Gerard Butler in uh, *Dinner of Thieves. Thieves. Ooh, (laughs) that that would be a
0: good role for Russell Crowe.
1: I want to see Russell Crowe and Gerard Butler in a movie together where they play brothers.
0: Get get out your typewriter and start writing that shit,
1: man. Yeah. Just two surly guys who uh, are really... Better than they get credit for a lot of times, I th- I feel like.
0: We just gotta find a script that has them in a remote cabin out in the middle of nowhere. Keep okay. the cost down. Oh, Can yeah. We, maybe just have them recreate after midnight. <laughs> I would watch the hell out of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, so, um... Also, one day I do want to make you watch Proof of Life. Proof of Lives? Proof of Life. Although there's no way that movie holds up.
1: That's the Russell Crowe Meg Ryan?
0: Yeah, but it's more of a Russell Crowe David Caruso joint. Interesting. And David Caruso is a badass, isn't
2: it? It's fascinating. (laughs) There's no way it holds up.
1: Uh, All right. Why'd you choose this? Uh, because I love Shane Black and knowing what I did about Martin McDonough, it seemed like, uh, another crime movie that is also very writerly, uh, and the characters don't speak at all like people do in real life, but aspirationally, like you would reach to the stars to speak like these people do. Uh, even when they fumble and bumble, they sound better than we do most of the time.
0: What Shane Black movies do you like?
1: Um, I most of them. I really love uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, I
0: started it once and turned it off because I wasn't in the mood for Downey Junior. Smarm. Okay. So I've never seen it. Add it. Add it. Okay. We'll add it to the list with. Uh, I well, I can I want to say Casanova, Casablanca, oh. Ugly Ugly Casanova is the band with Isaac Brock from Modest Mouse. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: moving on, uh. moving on. All right, I'm looking I'm looking uh. at movies that Shane Black wrote. There's mm-hmm. no way Iron Man three is good. Um, all right, Lethal Weapon one and two, those are both good. Mm-hmm. The Predator, which. Oh, that was the bad one. That was the worst worst Predator. Well, aside from like AVP 2, I might prefer AVP 1 to The Predator. But oh god, yeah, that movie sucked. Last Action Hero makes me sick to my stomach, and I don't know why.
1: Really? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know um, if I was sick when I watched it as a kid and like have that physical memory attached to it or what, but it, it like physically repulses me to think about Last Action Hero. <laughs> it's really hard to explain.
1: That's wild. That, um, I've got, no, I have only seen the movie once. I watched it, uh, there was a kid's house that I didn't normally go over to, but for some reason I had to, like, hang out with him after school one day. Uh, and I remember, like, he wanted to show me all of his action figures, uh, and we watched Last Action Hero, like, uh, his his Heemans and whatnot. Um, and I was very impressed with the amount of uh, toys that this kid had. But I think it was because he had a bad home life. At least that's my memory. <laughs> Or I could be conflating it with the movie itself. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I was like...
2: Um, what year did it come out? Like I was like 12 Nin- or 93 something. for Action Hero. Okay, so I would have been like 13 or 14, probably. But the
1: last Boy Scout...
2: That makes me I... think of Portland. Because when I
0: went to visit um connie and go see modest mouse
2: Mm -hmm. uh in twenty twenty one yeah 2021
0: my first trip like after covid um Mm -hmm. i got home from the modest mouse concert and then watched the last boy scout and the terminal the tom hanks movie yeah yeah so both of those movies, I, I, I'm, like, immediately back in that Airbnb. Good times. Last Boy Scout is <laughs> the- talking about Tony Scott. That, that's total Tony Scott cocaine, that movie.
1: Oh, and it, it, it's so good. Like, it's just excellent fun.
0: Now, was he in Predator? Okay, that's, that's why I think of Predator, because he was the actor in Predator.
1: Yes. is he the guy that wears the glasses? Yes. Okay. He, he was the scrawny one in, in Predator.
0: Yeah, the little Weasley one. Yep.
2: Okay. Um, so, yes, I think his writing is... Um, there's so
0: many one-liners in this movie, and it's, it's funny to think about, like, if we... You never meet anyone who talks like a character does in movies. Because with humans, I feel like we have so much filler. We all have, like, cool lines that we say every once in a while that sound movie-ish. But in between those is so much, like, banal small talk and filler. And this movie kind of cuts through
1: a lot of that. Uh, There's also a a 50-50 chance, because he co-wrote it with Fred Decker, but there's a 50-50 chance that Shane Black wrote the line, Wolfman's got nards. So... That's that is unassailable. You cannot argue with that kind of uh, writing pedigree.
0: <laughs> uh, there's some good ones in this. We'll we'll get to some of the lines, but um, I think the chemistry between Crow and Gosling is what really keeps this movie going, and, and they're really funny together. I, I think they bounce off each other really well. Gosling might be pushing things a little far in this one, though. I don't know. Do you? Are you on board with his like super high pitched squeals?
1: <laughs> uh, let's see. They're cartoony.
0: They're very they,
1: cartoon. They are, and uh, there's at least one, possibly two times in my notes that I called out his his squeals of pain or fear. Uh, and I found them very funny.
2: I don't like the arm breaking in this movie. That uh, that
0: upset me when he breaks when Crow breaks Gosling's arm. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. There's a when trap. He- the The one like from all the Saw movies that I remember, the one trap that like fucked me up was just like a. Bone breaking trap. And it was just like, I, it was the last saw I saw in the theater. I was trying to say movie four times in that sentence too. <laughs> um, and uh, it was saw three. And I remember being in the theater and just being, uh oh, this might, this might, I might have like bought a ticket for a roller coaster here that I do not want to be on the ride anymore.
2: Um which one
1: is Saw three. Okay, that's
2: Saw
0: three, the trap I'm talking about is the one where there's a guy basically in a big crucifix looking machine and then it and, twists each of his and, limbs.
1: Yeah, it they break all like like I'm doing a thing here. <sighs>
0: and, uh, yeah. It's gross. Yeah. It was gross. A oh, man I was into those movies <laughs>
1: <laughs> Uh I can just remember the one with, um, oh, what's his name? He played Luke on Gilmore Girls. <laughs> he was the, the cop uh, in one of them. I think Donnie five, Wahlberg? maybe.
2: No. Um. What? Which one is it? I, I want to say it's five. I, you know,
1: just going uh, off of my memory here.
2: Golden Girls.
1: Gilmore Girls.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That makes worse. (laughs)
0: Um, Oh, that guy, that nothing actor? Yeah, that guy sucks. Oh, the series Saw 4 and 5. Oh, God. They star that guy and this other guy from... Oh, he has the weirdest lips. (laughs) This is Luke. Costas Mandalore, that guy sucks. Oh, Costas Mandalore
1: is weird looking. Uh, no, I'm talking about Scott <laughs> Patterson. Who... I know, but
0: Scott Patterson is okay. just like mayonnaise on screen. At least Scott... in the Saw movies he was.
1: Scott Patterson uh, played with the Nashville Sounds, the, our uh, baseball team.
2: So, really? Yep. Well... Now I feel bad for what I said about his acting. <laughs> what does baseball have to do with acting? You know, I just...
0: Baseball's a dying sport, and so we gotta keep it alive and show it some respect and love.
2: Yeah. We, and we, should, can, do a, you...
0: we should do a baseball episode for this show sometime. Maybe like... Yeah, we should look... Major League in the Sandlot?
1: Um... How about uh I bet the Sandlot
0: holds up really well. And I bet <laughs> the Sandlot's like a masterpiece.
1: And I probably won't like it as much as I'm supposed to. N-
0: no. You you got the joke wrong because you didn't like Major League as much as you were supposed to, but the Sandlot's not very good. It's okay.
1: Okay. So the
0: Major League was the one you were wrong on. I think you gave Major League like a Three or a three and a half. Some obs- it, it was. It was a joke. Whatever you gave
1: it. <laughs> oh my god! I'm sorry uh, that you've been carrying this pain around so much.
0: Oh yeah. So um, for our hundred movie retrospective that oh, yeah. we do after next episode, so two episodes from now, uh, I feel like that should be one of our one of our lists or one of our things that we talk about is the time we were most let down by our... By the other person? Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Just like biggest
1: biggest disappointment award. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Can mine be the fact that you sent me um, sourdough starter and I killed it? I guess I'm not let down by you. I'm let down by me on that one. Never mind.
0: That's fine. I'm pretty sure... 90% Ninety percent of sourdough starters that were started during COVID are no longer with
1: us. Yeah, I got like one one loaf, and then I don't know how to keep it going. i I still have the plants. The plants are doing great.
2: But The sourdough starter oh, not so much. The two, the two plants I sent you. Excellent.
1: Yes, I've I've added, and I have like I have like five plants now. It's great.
0: Wow, they're Coming cleaning the, the air guy in my who house. said he can't keep a plant alive.
1: Hey, you turned me on to spider plants and ZZ plants, which anybody listening who wants a plant, get one of those. They're cool looking and uh, they take like, you got to water them like once a week or something and they thrive. And if you don't, they don't really care. (laughs) Yes. Yes. If if you leave town for a week and a half uh, or two weeks and no one in your family remembers to water your plants, they're okay. They're totally fine.
0: I've cut down now. I have a healthy amount of plants again and uh my carnivores are going really well. Ooh. So I'm I'm happy. Uh the nice guys. Boy, I love the logos at the start of this movie, that old-timey mm-hmm. Warner Brothers logo where it's just that like W that consists of three ovals. It it, it looks great. And a lot of helicopter shots in this and um It's a very... This is like a very, like, dude movie. Oh, yeah. Like, let's start the movie by looking at some boobs in a magazine. And then just see that woman crash her car through the house and look at her boobs in real life. And also the trauma for that kid. Like, imagine, like, objectifying a woman from your dad's Playboy. And then... Three minutes later, putting a blanket or your jacket over her dead body to give her some modesty. <laughs> like, that's going to leave a mark. <laughs> uh
1: at least he did that. At least he didn't like perv out over the real oh, life. Things. It
0: was it was sweet, and I was very grateful that Shane Black at least tried to show us a little bit of decency in this moment. Because if it's the kid from later in the movie who just wants to show <laughs> everyone his dick, it would have been a different scene.
1: Uh, you got 20 bucks?
0: <laughs> um, um, so do you want to set up just like a general setup of this movie since you know it better?
1: Um, it's late 70s uh, La, you have a private eye, uh, March Holland Holland March, played by Ryan Gosling, who is a fucking mess of a human being. Um, not that, uh, I guess he's hired muscle. Uh, Russell Crowe's character uh, Jackson, uh, he's not much better. Like they kind of he lives upstairs from the comedy store, which is a nice touch. Um. You
0: say he's a giant mess. I I think both of these movies have exposed something with me, which is uh, (laughs) between my dad's full blown alcoholism and my mild penchant for common drinking, not on his level, but still, um, I find these alcoholics endearing. And so oh, that's yes. probably definitely saying something about where I, I currently find myself in life. <laughs> <laughs> you see a giant mess, and I just see kind of a a lovable, a lovable ignorance or like an innocence to it all. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I think I'm projecting a bit here. <laughs> uh,
1: the who was I talking to the other day? I had to tell this story the other day. I didn't have, you never have to tell stories to anybody. Um, and frankly, the world would be better off if we didn't, uh, we should all just stop talking. But, uh, I had to tell someone about my, my couch in my office, which used to be my, one of my only pieces of furniture in my apartment. And so therefore it was my living room couch and it was my bed, uh, for like six months. <laughs> and yeah. someone was like, you slept on a leather couch for six months? And I was like, yeah. I, in my I, jeans. I would. I would. <laughs> you, listen, you get up and you're ready to go. it. I listen to you. I remember things.
2: <laughs> that was... That was our episode with Dustin. From oh, Spooky yeah, Season, yeah, yeah,
0: Talking about yes. you sleeping in your jeans on a couch. <laughs> We've we've shared too much on this show, I think.
1: Uh I love I love But you know deep. what's funny That's is
0: good. remember that episode of Black Mirror where um it goes through all Domin Hall Gleason's emails and stuff to create a clone of him after he's died? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a great episode. It's one of the best. Um I do kind of worry like what would Clone Sean look like if the AI only had this podcast as a reference?
1: <laughs> um, be a weird,
0: weird guy because I definitely like play up my weirdness, or I I don't share the boring things about myself because why would I? So I, I I tend to just share like the really weird shit that I do.
1: Yeah. Because the rest of it uh, doesn't make for good television. That's not
2: good viewing. Now it'd be <laughs> Seinfeld, a show about
0: nothing. Where George is like, "Oh yeah, we'll we'll read on the show. You'll read on the show. Yeah, just have a character, <laughs> a podcast where we sit around listen, reading books silently." Uh, my next note is, uh, as they're starting to try to find out information about, is it Misty Mountains or something? She was in the bar the other night drinking bourbon martinis. That is, uh, that's, what, what is that? A bourbon martini?
1: But isn't his response, gross. (laughs) Yes,
0: because that was my response too. (laughs) What the fuck is a bourbon martini? Is that just... That's just chilled bourbon poured into a triangle glass
1: uh with a
2: little of vermouth. Oh. oh.
0: <laughs> That's
1: gnarly. Oh. Oh. Uh, uh I was firmly of the um was it the Winston Churchill uh school of thought that you you pour the gin and then you pass the bottle of vermouth close enough that like the scent of it goes into the into the gin and that's all you need for your martini.
0: I had a martini on Christmas Eve that my brother-in-law made for me and it was a very nice one and it probably took me 45 minutes to drink it because after the first five minutes of it being really cold, it just got Mm. more and more awful and Mm -hmm. I was trying to, choke it down and it was salty and weird and it it can i talk about how fucking stupid martini glasses are it's the dumbest design martini glasses they're structurally like unstable in so many ways not only are they're just like top heavy glasses when you put them on a counter or anything but then on top of that The way that the glass is shaped is that the top of the glass itself is where the most liquid is. And so it's even top heavier than that. But (laughs) there's no rim or anything. There's nothing to contain the liquid. And they're meant to be filled to the brim. And so how am I supposed to pick up this glass... Off of a bar. And so then you have to do the thing that nobody wants to do in public. It's a very childish thing of like when you pour too much milk for yourself. And you have to lean over at the bar and sip it while it's still sitting there on the counter. And you can't do that at a classy place. They'll throw you out if you do that. Give me a normal glass, please. I've also only drank out of a triangle glass like three times in my life. But when I did, those three times clearly left an impact. I'm going <laughs> to take a breath
1: now. Uh, so you are in favor because a wine glass is almost as bad as a martini glass uh, with the, the long stem and then a bowl at the top. But no, they're not I, as t- I, but, not I, as I like,
0: but I like a Bordeaux style glass because well, they do f- work the swirl. Oh man, the swirl. Stick your nose in it. Like there's, there's a reason uh-huh. for it. I do. I a stemless Bordeaux glass. Yes, is close to about as good as it gets. Okay. Uh, for that I used style. to have.
1: I used to have some great um, whiskey glasses. I, I, they're actually Scotch glasses uh, that were a very similar shape, uh, and they were for the swirl, the swirl and sniff. Uh, and
0: Oh those little those little ones that are like three ounce ones probably?
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Those were great. I have a few of those from my friend when he was giving me a full on whiskey education course while playing Cornhole over the course of months in his backyard during quarantine. And um yeah, no, those those have a purpose. And they're well designed, they're well engineered. I appreciate them. I understand them. I just don't understand. Did the Egyptians build their pyramids upside down? No. (laughs) No. They built them right side up. Give me a martini glass that's shaped like a properly shaped pyramid. So that, Mm -hmm. how, well, that's interesting. So you would have a stem that leads up to a square base of a pyramid. And then the pyramid goes up to the top. And then you just have like a little opening at the top. That would be, you'd have to use a funnel to pour the drink in. Yes.
1: I was thinking of and an then eyedropper. It would be
0: really awkward because you'd get that effect of, like, the glug effect when mm-hmm. there's only one porthole for the liquid and the air to both exchange spaces. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to need to design this one more. But the pyramid glass,
2: wave of the future. Wave of the future. Wave of the future. Way of the future. Uh, thank you.
1: Um, so, wait. what future. do you... <laughs> uh, what do you rate this bar? There's a couple bars in this movie.
0: Um, I, I can only think of the bar when they're at the booth in Seven Psychopaths. Oh, I totally... I forgot about that one. Mm-hmm. When they're sitting in the booth? That's a booth yeah. bar, though. Um, You know, I like the vibe of bars in the 70s, mainly because back when I smoked cigarettes, I really wanted to smoke a cigarette at a bar, and I think I got to do that one time in Nevada, maybe maybe like twice in Nevada along, along the way. And Nevada's outlawed it now, too. Mm-hmm. But I think I was always nostalgic for that, and I always kind of missed out on that. I bet you could uh, smoke at bars in that in Tennessee for a long time. Can you? If, still? I'm, not
1: mis- if I'm not mistaken, there are places that have been like grandfathered in. Like, uh, was it the Villager and um, Springwater? I think were a couple of that like if you go in because um, I would. I played music uh, at Springwater. I filmed in Springwater. You go in with a case uh you know like a nice guitar case with plush on the inside yeah. you're never getting the, you're never getting the smell of stale beer and cigarettes out of that plush once you open it in that environment that's good though i i do think places
2: should be allowed to have smoking inside if they want to mhm
1: i mean and i should me. be allowed to to not go there
0: yeah i wouldn't anymore though Except I'm nostalgic there's one dive bar here, and they must smoke in there after hours and stuff, because, boy, you step one foot in there, and it smells like Nevada in the 1990s, and it kind of takes me back. Um, I used to go every once in a while, my parents would, like, I remember going on a trip with my dad, and (laughs) we went to some hotel casino thing, and he's like, all right. Here's, like, 25 bucks in this awesome arcade. And he's like, I'll I'll come find you later, or
2: whatever. And it was awesome. It was the best. It was not probably the best parenting,
0: but, man, it made me happy to, like, just be alone and just, like, <laughs> oh, I can do whatever I want
2: for, like, two hours in this arcade.
1: Uh you know what? I should have taken you to the villager when we were here, when you were here. It's right around the corner from the theater that we saw Nope at. Um, And that's where I used to spend a lot of time, like waiting for movies or after movies, you'd go and hang out there Uh, for your birthday. They give you a beer and a dog bowl.
2: As punishment.
1: I, you know what? I don't entirely know if it's supposed to be good or bad, but it's just a tr- tradition. Uh, also, they have one of the, the, my favorite darts setups in town, which would have been fun to do with you. So,
2: Yeah, that would have been fun. Yeah, I didn't drink at all that trip. While I was in your town, at least.
1: That's different crazy. Story,
2: different story in Philadelphia. Well, Philly will do that to you it will also summer in the, the the middle
0: east the middle east as i want to call it but the northeast summer in the northeast will also drive one to drink i feel
1: uh i thought you were going to say that summer in the mid south was like hindering you from drinking because uh all of the moisture was uh, trapped on your skin by the the humidity here.
0: It it doesn't make sense. We went on that walk, and I still think about like, boy, that was that was a brutal two two and a half mile flat walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very it, tough. It, it walk. was like
1: two two miles. Yeah, because I I make that walk a lot, <laughs> and it sucked. <laughs> I don't know how you get uh, any
0: exercise in summer. I guess you just work out inside your house there.
1: Or, or you go to the, uh, you know, the Planet Fitness or what have you. Uh, see, humidity is not bad today. It's 65% humidity. Feels
2: like 91 outside. So, it's almost pleasant here.
1: Although I bad. have no That's... air conditioning, so... In my car, have- I have uh, because the compressor is expensive and I don't know how long I want to keep the car.
0: Oh, in the car, not the house.
1: Yeah, no, the house is a cool 72 degrees right now. Nice. Yeah, it's lovely. Um Margaret Qualley uh, drives a VW thing in this movie. Is that why you asked me? When I said VW the other day, that if you said you were like, oh, the thing,
0: is no, I thought you were talking about the thing. Didn't we have what? What were you mentioning a VW in?
1: Uh, the the bug that is in once again, um, Big Lebowski and uh, Blood Simple. They use the same car, the same VW bug in both of those movies.
0: Oh. I didn't remember that. I thought yep. we had seen... I thought we had seen a thing before and had talked about it before on our show at some point.
1: You know, it wouldn't surprise me at this point.
0: I thought that might have been a callback. I don't know. I think, like I said, I think our show, we have over a week's worth of continuous listening.
2: mm mm-hmm.
0: I don't remember it all. Just the jeans sleeping. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's the only thing that's stuck with you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That
0: was it. That was the one. And you don't like you've never seen Rudy.
1: That's the other one. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's it's a sports movie about Notre Dame specifically. I yeah. It means nothing to me. It's so Good, might as well be Who's Greek
2: the wild man now, huh oh wow. all right i i might I might have to make you watch Rudy soon
0: <laughs>
2: um okay, back to the middle, back to this um i good comedy, Ryan Gosling, being a private guy and Trying to
0: break into that place, um was it the bar by <laughs> the punching bar. it the by punching the back window and slicing <laughs> his wrist so bad that he's dying. <laughs> and he's in the ambulance.
2: That's very that that was probably my favorite part of this movie.
1: It's such a good cut, like, from him falling down those steps to in the ambulance kind of flailing. Yeah.
0: Did you see Game
1: Night? No. Uh,
0: I'll spoil a little gag in Game Night here. It's uh, that Jason Bateman comedy. I highly recommend Mm -hmm. it, but at one point uh, Bateman gets shot in the forearm and so his wife is, he's like, we gotta get the bullet out, we gotta get the bullet out. So his wife has like pliers or something and she's like digging into the top of his forearm and there's like blood everywhere and then after about a minute of that he he uh, yells at her to stop or something and somehow he turns his arm over and it's clear that the bullet just went straight through (laughs) in and out (laughs) and she's just been like digging into the wound (laughs) So
2: that's just my kind of humor, right there. I don't I don't know, maybe I just love forearm trauma humor.
1: Uh well, this is rough because it's the same arm that Russell Crowe breaks like two scenes later.
0: It's so gross. I don't like it. And it's also the knowledge that he tells him you're going to tell your doctor that you have a sp- the spiral fracture of your ulna or whatever. It's like, Oh God, <laughs> I don't want to know this is coming. Uh,
1: the, the sound effects, the Foley work on both the blood squirting and the bone break are phenomenal. <laughs> That's well, one earlier.
0: Like in Crow's introduction to the movie, when somebody has been dating, um, a girl, like a, a teenager. And so their parents hire Russell Crowe to go deliver a message to that guy. And he puts on the brass knuckles when that guy opens mm-hmm. his door. And when he hits him in the face, it's like the, the violence um, in some of these scenes is very striking.
1: Well, that's one of the things that Shane Black does is uh, that violence out of nowhere thing. You know, the, uh, I think Lethal Weapon is one of the famous examples of it where they're walking up to the house and the house just explodes. <laughs> hmm. I should rewatch,
2: um, like Lethal Weapon one through three.
0: I've forgotten so much about them. I remember seeing four many times, and that's the one with Chris Rock and Jet Lee, and I don't think it's very good.
2: Um,. Four... Does Two... um Is Two the one with uh, Pesci? Yes.
1: But he's, he's also in Four. Yes, because in Two he does the whole uh, they fuck you at the drive-thru speech. Uh, I don't remember that one. Oh, after there's been some car chase or something and the... Uh, like the windshield is blown out of the car uh, and they decide to stop at a drive-thru and everybody's orders are right, except for his. And he's like, he's like, they don't care about you because they know you're going to be 15 miles away uh, and you're not going to come back and complain. And uh, then later he does the same rant about cell phones. I think um, in uh, with him and four. it's the exact same bit.
0: That sounds like a scene straight out of Falling
2: Down.
1: But but here it's funny. But here
2: it's it's played for laughs because it's pesky, you know. Like you could or could not you eat fish.
0: You don't find Michael Douglas shooting up a McDonald's because breakfast <laughs> ended thirty minutes ago. Funny that movie was oh, funny. It, it's Defense! not thirty minutes
3: ago.
2: It's like Defense. two minutes ago or something. Yeah. Well, it happens again in Big Daddy, too. That trope. There's the trope of the McDonald's breakfast.
0: What's Big Daddy? Which? Adam Sandler movie where he gets a
1: child for. Oh, oh, he, ad- he adopts a kid or something. Or has a kid foisted upon him by the foster care system? It's
0: a, it's a foisting. Some kind of foisting. Do you think that Big Daddy kid is okay? Oh, there's two of them. It was twins. Do you think those kids are okay?
1: I hope so. I hope they're living their best life uh, off of those Big Daddy royalties.
0: I don't know if there are any Big Daddy royalties. That movie's kind of forgotten. Scuba Steve was like... That was a big thing for a few months. You just walk around in
1: the street and hear people saying, like, Scuba
0: Steve, damn you!
1: Oh, uh, they are played by the Sprouse Brothers. They are fine. Who? Uh, Cole and Dylan Sprouse. The Brothers were... Sprouse? The, the Brothers sp- Sprouse, yes. Um, Wait, are those on... the guys
0: that made that vampire movie?
1: No, that's, no, that's S- Sprague. S- Sprague? Sprague! Yeah.
0: Yeah,
2: the the
3: Sprig?
0: Sprig.
3: <laughs> Sprig? <laughs> uh,
0: sp- is it Spearig? S- uh, something like that. We watched
2: Predestination. Wasn't that their movie?
1: Was that a. And they uh, did. I think that was a Brother Spearig. That was a Brother Spearig joint? Didn't they do. They're, they're Australian ones, right?
0: They did Ethan Hog Vampire.
1: Yes. And. um... Was it
2: Undead? Was their first movie, their indie? I don't know, I didn't see that one. Is the
0: Quick yeah, and the Un
2: the What's
0: The, the Quick and
1: the Undead? The, the Sharon Stone movie, The Quick and the Undead?
0: The Raimi movie. The Quick and the Dead. Is that good? That's Russell Crowe, like, right?
1: I liked it in like uh, nineteen ninety seven or whatever when I saw it. That's Russell Crowe, right? It it's Russell Crowe. It's Sharon Stone. Um, Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. Young Leo is in it. Gene um, Hackman
0: playing like the same role as he did in Unforgiven.
1: If I recall correctly, yeah. Is um, Unforgiven. Good. I have not
0: seen that movie since I was like a kid.
1: Unforgiven. Very good. Very good
0: movie. I would like to talk about that on the show sometime. We. We always talked about doing more
2: westerns and just never got around to it. Um Oh. Look at that.
1: Um, Quick and the Dead also features Keith David.
0: Hey, I was I was just about to ask you. Are you excited when Keith David shows up in this movie?
1: Dude, I'm excited when Keith David shows up in anything. I'm disappointed when David Keith shows up at anything, so.
0: I don't know who David Keith is.
1: David Keith, um, oh, <laughs> I was going to say U571 would be the, the thing you'd remember him from the most. But he also features in Major League Two.
0: Oh, it has to be the country bumpkin pitcher from Major League Two. Gotta be.
1: He's He's from Middle Tennessee, so I'm guessing yes.
0: Oh no, that guy! That guy was—he's the—he's the lead of the Marines that's aboard U five seven one. He's cool in that movie.
2: Mm, oh, okay. behind enemy lines—that was good. Another Gene Hackman movie. Today's very interconnected. Uh, and
1: he was in Daredevil. <laughs> Look at that
2: magic
0: magic happening all over this place (laughs) um so i that scene where keith david and the other guy hit crow's apartment is fun because i love crow's attitude about it like listen guys i know the game here you gotta beat me up you gotta do this it's fine but why you gotta like fuck with the is it because he's mad about the fish i don't remember what he thinks is going too far it's the fish yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's like, this isn't gonna help you get your point across. Oh no. Hey, not the fish. Come on. Hey, can you ask this guy to behave like a professional? You know, kid, when I get that gun off you, it's gonna be your dinner. Dinner. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking you're funny. You're <laughs> funny. Don't don't.
3: Oh, come on, fish!
1: You want some fucking dinner. He wants some dinner? Why are you doing this? This is not gonna help you. Yeah, gonna, oh, come on. You're gonna eat that thing, you fucking fuck! Look, you gotta you gotta stop and think about this, all right? When you came here tonight,
3: was this what you wanted to happen? What, you came here to uh, make me eat fish? To shoot me? Look, if you come in here, you beat up on me,
1: you trash the place. I understand, I get it, it's part of the job, I accept it, all right? But what did you do? You did something different from that, didn't you? All right? You pissed me off. You made an enemy. Now, even if I knew something,
3: I wouldn't tell you, kid. You know why I wouldn't tell you? And this is, it's not my only reason,
0: but it is a principal reason.
3: You know, I wouldn't tell you because you're a fucking moron.
0: He's so uh, nonchalant about it. And then that, the timing
2: with the punchline on, uh, on the die bag
3: and him yes. telling the
2: guy, don't open that.
1: Uh. The the shot when he comes through back through that door um, with the shotgun and that die pack has exploded on the window behind him. It looks like a comic book panel like it's a it's a great shot. I loved it.
0: And then um, and then it's we now have like an evil blue man roaming around the background of this the rest of the runtime of this movie.
1: Um, well, not for the rest of it cuz he does he does get hit by a Chevy van at a certain point. That's a
0: fair point. Keith David, dude, like It's especially after watching him in Community where he's like so gentle and sweet and kind of not playing his normal like big guy. Keith David is so big. He's mm-hmm. so big. I forgot about it cuz he just hadn't I hadn't seen him play like a really big guy in a while, but I, I remembered, I was like, oh yeah, he was fighting Roddy Piper in the 80s and like holding his own against him. And in, oh, this, yeah. mo- in this movie, he's still fucking like kicking ass and it looks formidable.
2: I would not want to fight Keith David in this movie. Or ever. No,
1: he, uh, even now, at uh, the age of 67, I don't think I would mess with him. He's 67, God, no. not me.
0: God, just no. Just for reference. I'm not fucking with 67-year-old Keith David. Give me, give me another 10 or 15 years. Give me an 82-year-old <laughs> Keith David and maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll talk. But then I'll be
2: 51. So, yeah. Um...
0: I have the... good comedy
2: in the bathroom stall.
0: That's uh oh, it's when Gosling Crow tracks Gosling down into the bathroom of that place and he's shitting I think is it in the bowling alley? I don't remember where they are. But yes. Gosling has his gun out and he's trying to pick his pants up, kick the door open, keep it open, and have his gun pointed out. <laughs> it's just And he drops his cigarette. It's it's just a great moment of frantic uh frantic chaos as that door keeps swinging up and closed and he's slamming it and pulling up his pants and trying to cover his dick and has a cigarette. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on there.
1: The uh his whole like turn around. No, close your eyes. No, turn back around. <laughs> you know there's a mirror here,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. Um what do you think of his Daughter, as a man
0: with daughters, what do you think of his daughter and their relationship?
1: Um, I think it's delightful. I think she calls him out on his shit, which I like. Uh, and she shows a decent amount of like actually being hurt by what he does and a little bit of just tired of it, a little bit of exasperated by it. Um, which I think is you know, a pretty effective little combo there.
0: What happened to mom? I don't
2: recall. Um, did their
1: house burn down and she was in it? Is that the story?
0: Some kind of tragedy. There's a tragedy. Yeah. I don't remember specifically. Um, yeah, I like her. It's, it's a tough line. It's always tough to cast a kid, because um, that alone is tricky. But then when you cast a kid who's being kind of like the snarky, grown-up, voiced child, it's really easy for that to be a grating and annoying character. And I like this girl's performance a lot. Oh, I, I'm really glad I remembered. She is... Uh, she must be Australian she's in a movie yeah she's in a movie called these final hours from 2013 which is an australian movie where it's announced that a giant asteroid is going to hit the earth and there's about 24 hours until that happens and so everything is in chaos and this guy rescues this girl from a about to be a terrible situation and it's their journey and this movie was so fucking depressing and sad and it bummed me out (laughs) but it did make up for it like at the end and her, her performance was actually really good in it so i was i didn't i i thought i recognized her and when i looked it up i was excited to see that that's where i knew her from um, so I would recommend checking out these final hours. Just it's it's a downer movie. It, it won't completely kick you in the balls, but it will be a bummer.
2: Uh, these final hours with Sarah Snook from Predestination. Uh, I don't remember
0: her in in that movie.
2: Uh, the I or IMDb says she was in it. Yeah, her. but I don't remember her. Oh, and it's that guy from Wolf Creek. And, gosh,
0: Chernobyl Diaries should have been so much better than what it was. That was when the whole world was like, oh, this uh, Oren Pelly guy. Oh, no, that wasn't.
2: I thought Oren Pelly did that. He did. He produced and wrote it. That was kind of the last the world ever heard from him. Uh, the The Paranormal Activity guy?
0: Did he move on to Paranormal... Yeah, well, yeah, but... He, like, for a while, people were tapping him to do other things. He had a TV show on... On a major oh, okay. network at some point, And, like, he was the next, like, it
2: horror guy. Whoa, Patrick Wilson directed Insidious the Red Door? Apparently. Because Oren Paley just produced it. Why? Insidious the Red Door. Everything is white in that title, except the the letters S-I and red. Why? (laughs) That... The Insidious the Red Door poster
0: makes no sense.
1: But all of, all of the insidious is, Insidiousnesses, is, the SI is red.
0: Is Insidious different than The Conjuring?
1: Insidious is not The Conjuring, and it's not uh, Sinister. They're all different.
0: Sinister, I can separate. Because it has movies in it. Yes. And Ethan Hawke hilariously drinking.
1: <laughs> uh, oh. And Insidious and, and deals with like multiple dimensions and stuff.
2: Eh, they all and do.
1: It's, and it's not, it's not <laughs> it's, based on those people.
0: I'm feeling very dismissive of, of all of those movies right now because I just watched The Conjuring, the first one.
1: Oh, and why would you do that? Why did you do that? For Gorley and Rust. You're, you're signing up for a bad time for you.
0: For Gorley and Rust. It's, it's all right. There's like, when it's a spooky haunted house movie, it's fun and spooky and well made. But yes. then, ugh, the Warren stuff. Patrick Wilson is interesting because he has completely, he's completely capable of being, like, a fascinatingly charismatic and deep character. Or he's capable of being just the, like, blandest human being I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, talk about human mayonnaise. He can be a real nobody.
2: What happened to the scars guard? that was kind of like Patrick Wilson? Is there a... a- Wilson E. Skarsgård? He was in Black Hawk Down. Um, I haven't seen that movie in 20 years, Sean. It's intense. Who am I thinking of? He Uh Uh-oh. I'm gonna figure out who this man is. Ty Burrell was in Black Hawk Down. Um, is Ty Burrell the Modern Family guy? Yeah. Peter, I heard him confused. Peter Sarsgaard. Sarsgaard. It's a different. <laughs> a different family. It's Peter Sarsgaard. Is he doing okay?
1: I don't know. I just always think of his uh, he SNL. He was in
0: Jarhead, not, <laughs>
2: not
1: <laughs> This is Bat a comedy Heart of Heart. errors.
2: Peter Sarsgaard's Sarsguards. Oh, he's fine. He was in the Batman movie. And don't worry about Peter Sarsgaard, everybody. He's, he's booking a lot of roles. I was concerned. I had my, I had my concerns. I like him in something. What do I like Peter Sarsgaard in?
0: Um, There's something where he plays a friend who's
2: compassionate. That seems correct. That seems like a thing that would be within his, his wheelhouse. It could be shattered glass.
1: <gasps> the Anakin Skywalker
2: movie Exactly
0: <laughs> Exactly
1: he, he is a concerned friend in that movie
0: Oh and then Kinsey He's the guy that Bangs Kinsey
1: <laughs> Oh he's not the titular Kinsey
0: No that's
2: That's taken
1: <laughs> I'm so confused
2: <laughs> Liam Neeson I... is Kinsey <laughs>
1: Oh, I thought you just meant the role was taken.
0: No, the the role was taken by Taken.
1: By Taken, got it.
0: Don't you call Liam Neeson Taken?
1: No, I call Jesse Eisenberg Facebook, though.
2: That works. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing Michael Cera recently was shocking to see him in Black Mirror. Oh yes. Um Don't say and stuff. Where were Just we? say dad there are whores here.
0: <laughs> going to the um, going to like the Playboy party?
1: Yes. Uh which this is a so Shane Black loves Christmas. He was born in December. Uh I think it's kind of an infamous thing about his his scripts and he loves these crazy parties uh there's at least a couple i know there's crazy nightclub stuff in last boy scout if i recall correctly um there's he has a lot of like decadence in his movies uh and it's die. always seen die hards just a big
2: did he write Die Hard? He did not write Die Hard. Are you sure? Um, yes. But Die Hard
0: is a big Christmas party movie.
1: Yes, yeah, so you, you tie both threads up at once. He should have written Die Hard. It's pretty cool. Has anyone
0: too. asked him if he wants to?
1: You know what? He couldn't do any worse than they've done with that franchise.
2: What? At what point do you... Are you saying they're all bad, the sequels? No. Uh,
1: there are two very good Die Hard movies. One that's, that's fun bad, and then uh, the remainder are no bueno for me.
0: One and three are very good, two is okay, and the rest are shit.
2: There you go. I love Die Hard 3. We should talk about Die Hard oh, 3 yeah. sometime.
1: That's a great movie.
2: Do you
0: still know how to get 4 gallons of water in a 5 gallon jug if you have a 5 gallon and a 3 gallon <laughs> jug? Do you still remember how to do that because of that movie?
1: No, I know how to do it because of logic. I forget how to, I forget oh. it from the movie.
0: Excuse me. <laughs> 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 Excuse me, Mister Logic.
1: <laughs> Sorry, wow. I don't mean to come off as pedantic. It's just a—it's uh, a speech impediment.
0: <laughs> wow i f- I wish, I wish our podcast had like a soundboard so I could play like mm-hmm. laser noise and stuff. Because I would have a special button for you that just says smug, and I would push that and it would play a very arrogant, smug sound.
1: What? Okay. What's an arrogant smug sound?
0: It'd be like Robert Downey Jr. accepting an award, and it would be like the intro <laughs> to that speech.
1: Uh, I was gonna go with just a self satisfied sigh. Just a uh. it, it could be that. It could be yeah. that.
2: Or it could just be fancy flute
0: music of just like mm. I'm very scholarly and prim and proper.
1: Little Lord Fauntleroy kind of stuff? The f-
0: Yeah, see, that right there, whatever word you just said, that would get the smug sound.
1: <laughs> Got it. I should just uh,
2: stop with my big dumb mouth. I've learned two words because of this show. Okay. Nevish. Mm-hmm. Rick Moranis.
1: That's that's two words <laughs> right there.
0: Nebish is defined as Rick Moranis.
2: Rick. Okay. And saccharin. Ooh, saccharin's a good one. Which is the reason why I left Rachel one. Yes. I don't. Which remember- is. I think we went over that maybe in the Royal
0: Tenenbaums discussion with Courtney where a lot of
2: dating stuff came up back then. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's been a long time. Uh, But yeah, sickening, sickeningly sweet. Yes. Like, hurts your tummy so sweet. Living that Disney life. Yeah. Can't deal with that. Sorry, Disney people.
1: (laughs) Sorry, Disney adults.
2: I just got broken up by
0: someone. And it's probably okay because she can't watch anything horror-related. And she told me that she watched Wednesday on Netflix and kind of regretted
2: it. Because it it was too too intense? Yeah, too intense there's things in there that she didn't want to see and
0: just doesn't want to see things. So like, it's just like imagining her coming home and I'm watching the evil dead remake for my other podcast, which just started uh-huh. <laughs> like That when
1: things wouldn't go well. Uh, the, when Elizabeth and I got together, she was like, yeah, I don't like horror movies. Um, Turns out she just hadn't seen a lot of horror movies. Like, she has she doesn't like jump scares. Uh, and so she hates it like when she's got an earbud in and listening to something. When I walk around the house, uh, you know, I'm 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 quiet. I, I don't I don't have heavy feet. And uh I give her a spook. She hates it.
0: I don't either because I lived on a second floor for a while. And so I was mm-hmm. very Aware of my footsteps, and so I walk ball to heel.
2: I'm
1: sorry. What?
0: My testicles hang very low. No, (laughs) ball of my foot to heel. So I I I call I I when I'm in the house. I'm pretty. I walk toes first, and then the heel comes down after. In order to I, it's a soft, soft walk. I have it's quiet, and then I had a roommate who. Would go heel first, and she would be like bonking around the house. Yes, you know. And I was like, "Are you?" S- it. Uh, <laughs> I asked her one time, "Like, are you stomping because you're mad right now?" And she's like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." I was like, "The house is shaking."
1: Uh, yeah. I love someone who. Um, can you picture a foot doing a belly flop?
2: <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs>
1: Every time someone steps down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They were also a dish clanker. I'm I'm very soft. When you're putting dishes away, like back up into a cabinet or on a shelf, uh, there was a lot of like clanking and clattering. So were you, was there
0: a lot of chipped plates?
1: No. They held up pretty well. Hmm. But there was too much sound for me. Like, I, I will. I could stealthily, I could get through a Tom Clancy level uh, of, of dish putting away uh, without setting off the alarms.
0: They should make Splinter Cell again. But not a uh, remake of Splinter Cell. Like, there was a co-op campaign for one of the Splinter Cell games that was so much fucking fun to play with my friend in high school. Have you ever known a table slapper? Yes oh my god, there's this one guy he used to come to the bar, and luckily he doesn't anymore, and it's like he would constantly bring up politics, and it's like, don't, don't, it's like, no politics, no religion at bars. It's the golden rule. Everyone knows it. Keep things positive. Or whatever. And, and he would always bring up politics and then slap the bar, but he wouldn't slap the bar where it would be like a thud or a pound, but he would make his his palm completely flat like you said with the belly flop and so it would make that clapping reverberating sound that would cut across the entire bar in everyone's conversation and everyone hated him
1: but he doesn't come in anymore
0: don't come around here no more Tom don't come around here no more
2: his name was Tom (laughs)
1: You're right? Nope. <laughs> I, loved, I loved the explanation at the end. His, his name was Tom.
0: Uh, What we got? Oh, I like when Gosling, I thought it was very charming and hilarious. When he asks, he tells that actress out on the balcony that he's an actor, too. And he says, fake shoot me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He goes over the railing and I couldn't tell if if he if that was part of his commitment to the bit to going over the railing or if he was just drunkenly trying to go partway and his drunkenness carried him over but either way him going all the way down that hill after that very silly and very funny
1: uh that whole little area of the movie where he gets inadvertently drunk it's the drunkest you see him in the movie and he mixes up all of his words that's that's a good shtick like i can't imagine it's like um the beginning of temple of doom when uh kate capshaw has to sing in cantonese or whatever it is uh mandarin uh forgive me i'm not a uh, linguist uh but I'm like, how did she do that? Like, even to mouth the words to, to it, how would you remember that? It's insane to me that someone could put gibberish into their mouth, not saying that other languages are gibberish. <laughs> I just keep digging this hole deeper. It's great. It's fine. I believe you're
0: comparing one nation's <laughs> entire language to one man's blackout, drunken slurry. <laughs> yes yes okay. <laughs> I'm gonna push the show along and uh, Thank yeah, you. we get a good fight with Keith David and Russell Crowe again on the balcony with the
2: the jacuzzi and um, Uh-oh. yeah it's a good fight I like the, the bit where he
0: gets the gun in the jacuzzi and shoots Keith David in the leg through the in jacuzzi the leg. yeah
1: yeah, that's pretty badass
0: um, and then the two girls, the daughter and uh whatever girl they've been looking for, I can't think of her name right now. They get Amelia. They get in the foot chase with the blue face man. Uh yeah, what'd you think about that foot chase? And then it's a very Sopranos moment, what happens after the guy gets hit and Russell Crowe um smothers him to death.
2: Oh, Yeah, that's. um, I'm I'm with uh, Holly on this one. Like, you should have let him live. That guy. Let him. Yeah, but he tried to kill him. But he he can't right now, and he's he's like a gasping fish. He doesn't present any more threat currently. Maybe don't... Maybe don't smother him to death, but go help him? You're gonna help that I mean... man? I, listen, I try to live a life of, like, being
0: generous and good karma and trying to always lead with kindness and have forgiveness in my heart and all this stuff. I don't I, I think I might spit on that man as I run by his twitching corpse.
1: <laughs> uh, it's not a corpse if he's not dead, right? It, it's pretty close. Did you see that yeah. <laughs> It was
0: a crumpled pretzel. Also, um, bad, bad car to get hit by. A van. Because you're just taking like the full frontal hit on that one. There's no rolling over the hood or anything like that.
2: No, if anything, you're going to get shoved underneath it. Mm. Um, The uh, was
1: Amelia is played by Margaret Qualley, who to me is like, she has a distinctive look to her. Uh, And I remember her from, there's this, it's like a fragrance commercial or something that she did like it had to be six or seven years ago where she is dancing around this mansion. Have you ever seen this? Keep, keep describing it. She's wearing a green dress and she's doing this very like chaotic dance. Uh, but the whole thing is it's beautiful looking.
2: Um, hang on. I have no idea what you're talking about. Apparently, I've seen her in
0: Death Note and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, I don't remember her.
1: It's um, an ad for something called Kinzo World, I think. Because the description is all in German. Uh, Yeah, look up Kinzo World featuring Margaret Qualley uh, on YouTube at some point in time. And... It is. It's a delightful couple minutes.
2: How would one spell that? K E N Z O. Okay. For for Kenzo. Which makes me wonder how old she is, because this was would have been around the same time. Uh, she's nineteen ninety four. So, Almost 30. Okay. 29. That's wild.
1: People born in the 90s okay. shouldn't be. I see in their a 30s.
2: green dress. And yes.
0: It looks like she's about to beat her chest. I'm fast forwarding.
2: Okay. she's that a thing? Yeah, you got to go like a minute into it. Yeah, she's doing a thing. Now, this was not. No, but it looks like this is her audition for a possessed
0: woman in an exorcist movie.
1: <laughs> oh, when she does the lean back and yeah. the flailing arms and all that? Yeah. Um, um,
0: no, I don't remember any of this. I've never seen this. I am curious how they hid the camera in this giant mirror. In the set. mirrors? And, yeah. Uh, also, how do you have an ad that's almost four minutes long? Who's watching that? Well, I guess you are.
1: <laughs> I I've watched this multiple times over the years because it reminds me of the um, the Fat Boy Slim video with Christopher Walken once again.
2: What? I don't the know what Fat Boy Slim about. video. Okay, this time you're
1: fucking with me. I. I, dead I can't face. tell. Look at, my, Sean, look at my face. Yes. It's, it's I'm dead. looking at your dead face right now. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. Your about. twitching corpse face. <laughs>
0: uh, I I don't know which song that is. But Christopher Walker to, to tie everything more together than it already has been with like the Sam Rockwell connections and all these other connections that we have. Uh on Virginia and my podcast. Our next episode is about Communion, a shitty ass alien movie starring Christopher Walken that Virginia contends is great. Ooh. It's bad. It's so bad. I don't know. I don't know why she thinks it's good. Um, you'll find out. We'll find out. I mean, yeah. tear it apart. <laughs>
1: She's going to be sorry she ever brought it up. You
0: know what it is? It's that show. I got so tired of agreeing with you on podcast. And I I have to start a show that's more
1: contentious because this.
3: this,
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's got to be all uh, major league.
0: I I really like the part where Gosling has his genius moment where they're looking at that. That note. And it's. (laughs) They think it's Burbank Airport and that it's flight numbers, but it's not a flight. It's, a, it's the Burbank Apartments down by there. And Russell Crowe's like, brilliant, let's go. And they go down there and like, excuse me, sir, where's this bill? He's like, oh, yeah, it was raised two years ago. <laughs> and then they go and then it cuts to them going to the airport after that. <laughs> that was a great joke that I've never... I haven't really seen a setup and punchline
1: like that before. Uh the fact that it's Russell Crowe doesn't give him a hard time after that. He's just like, "I know, buddy. It's okay."
2: <laughs> but it was a good idea. Yeah. Um Oh, God, and when Gosling
0: forgets another story about a drunk guy who forgets things, he forgot the story that Russell Crowe had already told him about um, being at the diner that was being held up and getting shot in the arm—that mm-hmm. <laughs> was really funny. When he asked him what happened again,
1: yeah. How often are you on national? Television? I mean, do you remember your uh, days last from
0: February. drinking and not remembering shit and repeating yourself to people asking? Like, oh, it's one of like the most embarrassing parts of drinking is uh, when something like that happens and you forget.
2: Um,
1: no, now I just do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> jeez. Okay. <laughs> but it's more of a, uh, I don't remember who, who I've told what story to. Like so, you when something happens in your day and you're like, oh, I've got to remember that to tell to people. And then you tell it, like I thought to you and then later I thought to Kira and then tomorrow I'm like. Did I tell Elizabeth? Because it seems like she'd be the first person I told, but I just didn't see her today, so you know, it didn't work out.
0: I have that, where it's like, ah oh god, I know I know I brought up this story of like this movie or plain Little League. I, was, I was, who the fuck was I talking about Little League with like a week ago? And yes. that's usually what happens with me. Uh ta-ta-ta. Oh, another great comedy bit is when they they they're at the hotel bar, and they get drinks, and then uh, they get in the elevator go- to go up, <laughs> and, and they, they look out, and they see a guy who's been stabbed in the neck, dying in the corner, <laughs> and then they look around the corner, and the guy gets shot, and there's gunfire and explosions, and they just push the button and take the elevator back
1: down. Then <laughs> <laughs> it's slowly back into it, just... Uh...
0: Uh, oh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Uh,
1: did you like that bartender? He, uh, he was like your classic um, like law and order bartender, where he just has all this information.
0: It reminded me a bit of that scene in Naked Gun, where Leslie Nielsen goes down yeah. to the dock to get information from a guy, and they end up yeah, just yeah. passing a $20 bill back and forth between each other.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, uh, who was I just talking about Naked Gun with?
1: Oh, God. Airplane is a good movie. I, I remember talking to somebody about it recently. Oh, my God. Oh, I just
0: went to cross my legs and caught my toes with my right leg, and it was my ankle that I sprained, like, five weeks ago. And it's, like, 98% healed, but that 2% still exists, and that hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so what happens in this movie is uh, Amelia, I don't know, I, I, do you like the overarching story of, like, Detroit cars are going, are bad for the environment, and they're trying to block electric vehicles, so Amelia and her environmental friends are going to make a porno, which then also has (laughs) a real-world message exposing... Her mom, who's like the district of or the Department of Justice head and conspiracy with the automakers to keep gas guzzlers on the road, basically. What what do you think of the overall like what this mystery is and turns out to be?
1: Uh it's really dumb. I mean but the point with not the point of a lot of noir, but what happened with a lot of noir was the overarching story would be something and it would be f- farcical at some point, right? Like it's all these people died for something that's either out of their control or really stupid. Um, and that's kind of what this feels like when at the end, when she is like, listen, if I don't do this, someone else is going to take my place and do the same thing. Like all these people wind up getting killed over them trying to squash this message and it doesn't matter if it got out anyway. Like the machine is going to keep rolling on and, and uh, Detroit is going to, until a certain point, uh, just keep controlling everybody.
0: I was thinking like if people saw we're going to see a porno and then saw some like real world thing about automakers and pollution, I feel like people would just be like, Oh, this stupid porno. Can we please get to the the boobs and sex already? I I just I don't oh I I don't like the movie Domino. Get your mind out of the gutter, Josh. Sorry. <laughs> Good heavens. <laughs> um. So yeah, I agree that it's a bit,
2: it's a bit underwhelming. Um. So that's that's all basically. Like this movie.
0: The little pieces of it are much better than, like the entirety of it. To to look at this movie as just like one big overarching story, there's not that much there. But it's it's just in the character interactions.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, a lot of noir stuff was like for the plot, um, like for the the little micro transactions of plot. I think. Um, and like the little mysteries that get solved and kind of people bumping into each other. It's not for the, the big reveal, uh, because, and I don't want to go down a list of them. Um, but several of the classic ones, the plot either doesn't matter in the end or is so convoluted that you can't figure it out anyway.
0: I feel like that was, was, that was kind of the case with the third man. Wasn't it when we watched that? yes anyway we should watch yeah. more noir too more noir more westerns uh another bit in this movie that i loved was uh gosling falling asleep at the wheel and yeah. <laughs> russell Crowe <laughs> shows off his ankle gun in the dream and goss like hey that's so sweet man it gets a little crazy with the bee, though do you like do you like the giant bee in his dream?
1: I love the giant bee uh does it call him bumble or something yeah, yeah the, uh he's like you fly everywhere. <laughs> you didn't even get to have a have an opinion on this. You fly everywhere
0: so uh waking up from that is fun, but the payoff later of when they're held up. And Gosling dives to the floor to get Crow's ankle gun off of his ankle only for him to be like, wait, did I dream that?
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's very funny. Um,
2: oh, and I was surprised that Amelia
0: gets killed as, and 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 again, in addition to what you were saying of Noir not really mattering. The everyone dies in this
2: movie by the end pretty much. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It's, um...
1: I mean, it's sad, but everyone is just a plot device at a certain point. Um, which I like. I mean, if you are into that kind of thing, and it doesn't bother you that people die, uh, then... A lot of this stuff is up your alley. It, I mean, they're not normally given enough humanity for it to hurt. She definitely is uh, on that border, though, where I think it's kind of like, oh, shit, I didn't want her to die. Shane Black is good at that, though.
0: I, I liked the the hitman character that gets introduced as the, the doctor who shows up at the house. and And, you know, it's cool to see children under genuine threat in this movie as those two girls are with that guy in the house um, and yeah we get you know the big fight scene here and we get the split up and so Gossing's up on the roof and that's really fun when he and Keith David tumble off the roof together and he lands in the pool and Russell Crowe's like how, how the hell did you <laughs> get down here and um, and Russell Crowe, I it, I bet you found his relationship, he kind of has like a stepfather, and it's like they're, he and Gosling are kind of like co-parenting now, this young girl, and she calls Russell Crowe on his shit just like she calls her dad on his shit, and, I, and it's kind of nice at the end that he doesn't just straight up execute this guy
1: yeah um and i think in like shane black for everything is a little he's kind of earnest uh and i like that he allows his characters a little bit of growth um because i think in a straight up like hard-boiled noir there's no way he's not killing that dude (laughs) like he's sending her off and he's gonna kill that kill that guy
0: well and i like the only reason he doesn't is the threat that I will never speak to you again is what the little girl says.
2: Yeah. And that's sweet. Uh, that's oh, and I like um, Gosling taking
0: cover behind a rotating car. That's very fun. Oh,
1: and <laughs> when he's which is... got
0: his back against the car and he's reloading and the car just slowly turns
2: to expose him directly to all the gunfire again yes uh yeah and that's
0: that's about all i got here and you know the big finale ends and they get the film and they go into business together you got anything else here at the end
1: um i loved the uh the ad and he he says sorry you look filipino (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. Or, and you look Mexican. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's like uh, as the saying goes, it looks like someone tr- tried to draw Russell Crowe from memory
2: <laughs> for that picture. It's a good way to put it. Um, yeah, it's a fun one. And I think
0: these two movies uh, complemented each other pretty well. Because I think with Seven Psychopaths you could go the adaptation route where or you talk about more like the m- movie making and movies within movies. Or you could go with
2: kind of the um, sarcastic crime world kind of thing. Um, and it's
1: I want to just live in this little world for a while. You know what I mean? Like, the quippy, um, but not not too smug. Like, there is some heart to both these movies, and I think it's what separates them from, like, the Quentin Tarantino knockoffs, um, or even a lot of Quentin Tarantino stuff, uh, honestly.
0: How do I just speak more quippy in my day-to-day life?
1: Um... Uh, Quibi actually got shut down a couple years ago, uh, but there was some good programming
2: on it. Was that where bajillion dollar properties is still hidden to this day? <laughs> I believe so, yes. Or maybe on the <laughs> ill fated CISO.
1: Oh, rip CISO.
2: streaming is I did like streaming though. is a hilarious
0: nightmare. It's like things were good for 3 years and now it's all
2: so fucked again.
1: Uh I I don't want to steer any of our listeners, you know, into anything they find morally disagreeable, but uh pirate shit and keep it forever on your own devices and watch it whenever you want to. A pay pay for things when when you can but the rest of the time steal that shit and um, you know, preserve it
0: yeah, I mean, I had uh, that audiobook narrated by Harlan Ellison I owned mm-hmm. it on Audible owned in quotation because then they lost the rights to it and suddenly I've lost the rights to it it's like, <laughs> but I fucking bought it so, uh, yeah mm-hmm get hard copies or soft copies or whatever of
2: anything that's important to you.
1: Yeah. Because they will take it away when
2: it's not profitable for them anymore. Yes.
0: But if they want to take this movie from me, they can, it's good, <laughs> but it's, it's a little long and it, it I fi- I find this to be a little meandering at times, um, the nice guys. And so I, I enjoy it and there's a lot of like really memorable fun scenes. But overall I did find myself just feeling the runtime a bit. Um, so I would give this a three and a half.
1: Three and a half? That's that's a good solid um
0: three and a half is good. Level, three I and a half like. means I I enjoyed it. I yeah. enjoyed it. It's fun. I had a good time with it.
1: Um, I did give it four and a heart, which was the same from the previous time that I watched it. Um, I don't know. I like the characters a little more this time, I feel like, but it's, it's still right there. Like I'm, If there was a 4.25, it might be in that range. I always want more
2: granular than, than they give us. That's like when I used to use IMDB specifically,
0: in my head there was such a difference between a movie that was like scoring a seven point seven on that site versus a movie that scored like a seven point two. That was like a like I oh the the difference in quality. It was notable and it's all meaningless, man. It's all meaningless.
1: No, these things are important.
0: They are. I agree. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of importance in the meaninglessness of it all
2: yes um, next episode we are going to have
0: my old buddy Azam back on the show and we're going to be talking about Alien and I don't think he ever picked a movie so I need to get on that with him but yeah. uh, we're going to be watching the original Alien uh, director's cut what do Ooh. I don't recall which which one you're supposed to watch with Alien and with Aliens I think with Aliens I like the director's cut because there's this stuff about the mining on the planet before yeah. Alien I might maybe it's theatrical you're supposed to watch I don't remember
1: um, I don't recall I wish Letterboxd would let you do that would break down Uh, directors versus regular cut. And I know it'd be a, uh, it'd be a morass of alternate cuts at that point, but still I want what I want. Damn it. Uh, I pay for this service.
0: Do you have a movie book or show to plug?
1: Um, I mean, apart from uh, my other show stagecoach justice, which we just wrapped up our Django exploitation season and we're moving on to that's exciting. Yeah. Um, which I was excited for that season and a lot of the Django's wind up being the same. So we had conversations about other stuff like this show. Uh, and, uh, in general, oh, I am finishing up a great book, um, called, uh, Gardens of the Moon. It's a, it's a fantasy novel and it's like, did you ever listen to Hardcore History? Uh, no, I've been told to a lot. That, that seems like a, a you kind of show um, like f- four and five hour long episodes about the Huns sacking towns and stuff like that. It's, it's great. Uh, but this is like the book version of that. Like you get this image of this war that's happening, this battle that's happening between these different nations from like a ground, the soldiers on the ground kind of view. Uh, and it drops you in in the middle of a battle. And pretty much doesn't let up. It's a lot of fun.
2: Wow, that sounds cool. Yeah, I have a few things
0: to plug. Um, started a new podcast. It's called Well. Dot. 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 I think you're wrong with Virginia and Sean, and that is with a friend of the show, Virginia, who's been on to discuss men, and Conair and Twister. Uh, we just talk movies. One person loves a movie, and the other person thinks they hate a movie, and so that's that's what we do. We go back and look at and re-watch movies that we think we have strong opinions on and debate them. And it's really light and fun, and it's been... we've recorded three episodes so far. We've done uh, 28 Days Later, which I defended eh, not as much as I should have, probably. uh The Brood, and... Uh, The Evil Dead remake from 2013. And um, our next episode is going to be about communion, so check that out. That's coming out every two weeks or so. Uh, Books. uh, I read A Man Called Ove, which, there's a movie by the same name or a Tom Hanks version called A Man Called Otto, which I plan to watch. I adored that book. It's just tons of heart and very sweet, and it Thank God I finished it at home because I'm not as brave as Josh and I was just a mess finishing that book. And uh, thank God I wasn't in public. And finally my last thing is uh, yeah. Having recently gone through breakup I decided it would be a great opportunity to rewatch After Midnight, the Jeremy Gardner movie. And man, that's a hell of a movie it's really good and it's really original and unique and there's a lot to read into and make some of your own definitions about and it's it's also just like a great examination of a relationship and so it's like 80 maybe even 90 percent just relationship and breakup movie and then 10 percent Lovecraftian monster kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, it, it was, it it's was really great. Even. I love it.
1: Yeah, that's a great movie.
2: Um, so that's about all I've got. Do you have anything else?
1: No, not a thing.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, listeners, for listening, as always. It's much appreciated. And um, you can give us some feedback if you'd like at our Nashville CA Discord. And until next time, which will be two, approximately two to four weeks from now, uh, we'll be talking <laughs> Alien and something else for our ninety ninth and hundredth movie, and then after that we'll be doing a um a special episode, kind of a hundred movie retrospective kind of thing, which we're still working on, but should be fun. Couple weeks for the show here, and then um yeah we'll. We'll start with 101 after that, and maybe we'll change some things up. Maybe we'll keep things the same. I don't really know. But until then, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to each other. And take care. Bye. Bye.